fucking shit. Hello, welcome to Love Alexi. My name's Alexi Wasser. I'm your host. This is my podcast, and today my guest is Alex Blagg. Alex Blagg is a writer, he's a producer, and he's one of the creators of Comedy Central's At Midnight, which, by the way, just won two Emmys this week. This is so exciting. Congratulations to, to At Midnight. Oh my God, everything leads back to Chris Hardwick. This podcast is on the Nerdist Network. Chris Hardwick is the host of, uh, of At Midnight. My guest today is Alex Blagg, one of the creators of At Midnight. Of course they won two Emmys. Why wouldn't they? Why shouldn't they? Anyway, I've said too much. Uh, this is a very, I'm very happy with this episode. Uh, I, I have an extreme fondness for Alex Blagg. I've only met him twice in real life, but uh, something about the guy. He's, uh, I, I, I like being around him. He's got a good vibe. I'm saying vibe. He's got a good one. And uh, we go on a tangential journey, talk about a million different things. Uh, a big part of what we talk about, though, is the internet. I mean, that's what At Midnight is about. It's a game show, trying to win the internet. And, uh, and, we just, and both of us just talk about uh, our take on the internet, uh, where we're at emotionally and psychologically when we're posting on social media, uh, we look at the fact that, like, now there's been enough time since the internet ha- was created where you can kind of, like, look back on your life and be like, oh, fuck. Uh, you can see my entire life story and my coming-of-age weirdness online. Maybe I should curate that shit. Uh, but we also talk about Ramdas, uh, Tinseltown, the inception of At Midnight, how he met and proposed to his wife. Uh, and I even tell him about a, a hot date I went on. Uh, a cool guy in a, in, a, in a Tesla picked me up and we went and had dinner and we did an isolation float tank thing. It was very futuristic. And uh, Alex gives me beautiful big brotherly advice about my life and who I should date because I asked him. He would never give me unsolicited advice. I asked him for it. And uh, we talk about, uh, you know, feelings and um, just just the human condition at large. Uh, anyway, if you want to follow him on social media, I think you should. Find him on Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat even at Alex Blagg. You can find me on social media, Twitter, Snapchat, Facebook, uh, Instagram at Alexi Wasser. If you like this podcast, the Love Alexi podcast, subscribe on iTunes, rate the show, leave a comment. It truly helps me grow the show so I can continue doing it. And side note of a side note, us over here at the Love Alexi podcast, and by us I mean me and Aristotle, uh, are putting on a comedy show at a place called Junior High. Uh, it's in Los Angeles next Tuesday, September 20th, 7 p.m. The address is 5656 Hollywood Boulevard. The cross street is Wilton, but you know, feel free to, uh, to Google another shout out to the internet and how wonderful and capable it is to help you. Uh, People who will be performing on the show are Andrew Michon. He was last week's guest on the Love Alexi podcast. Casey Jane Ellison, uh, another guest of this very podcast. Whitmer Thomas, a future guest of the podcast. Andre Vermeulen from TBS's Andrew, Angie Tribeca. Donnie Devanian, Chase Bernstein, Brent Weinbach, who is one of my favorite guests on this podcast. And we'll be screening a short film by Casey Rupp of Starburns, and he also puts on a monthly uh, comedy show, comedy art show, called Super Tight. So it's going to be super fun. Be there. I want to meet you. I want to hug you. I want to talk to you. I want you to laugh. I think you'll enjoy it. I'm going to try to be a host and uh, not embarrass myself and, and keep it entertaining and keep it moving. So it could be a train wreck. Could be amazing. 
Who knows? That's the most exciting thing about life. You never know what's right around the corner. But now I'm going to shut the fuck up so you can enjoy my uh, audio talk show slash conversation uh, with the hilarious deep thinking power player that is Alex Blagg, Emmy winner. Now entering Nerdist.com. Yes, our recording. I can't believe it. Look at you. You were such a power player. You fucking come straight up. You don't even text me from downstairs. Ah. Oh, sorry, I oh, forgot no, to text amazing. you. I didn't follow the instructions. No, this is great. Uh, Alex, Alex Black, power showbiz player in Tinseltown. Sit down right here. You sure you don't need a minute? To... No. No, this is it. This is great. Okay. I work for Alex Black. All right. But you guys met and hugged, kind of? Or we did. We shook, shook hands. Okay. We're recording? Crazy. Okay. We've just, already started. We've already started. Is that okay to be a permission? I mean, I, I feel of... like it's like the new podcast thing is to already be recording at the beginning. Gives yeah. it like a loose feel, but I wasn't yeah. even in the room yet. So that's like a whole different level. Wait, you weren't recording when I was telling you about my date, right? I was talking about my date last night. Wait, and you're married, right? I am. I thought you weren't dating for like a year. I know. I can't believe it. How does all of Hollywood know? I listen to your podcast. <laughs> you do? I did. I practiced, you know, like, You prepared. did? Which one did you listen to? Brent Weinbach? I uh, Cash. I Cash. Oh, Brent Weinbach was better. No disrespect I'll to I Cash. I listen to that one, too. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a, f- a, f- a fan and friend of Brent. Do you want to wear your headphones or no? You don't give a fuck. Yeah. This is a celebration of to? you. Do I need to? You don't need to, but I feel like very like, wow, we get to wear headphones? This is so great. I feel like I'm, I'll try it. I get scared oh. by my voice sometimes. I'm not. I love your voice. A, this is great. a recorded <laughs> audio me, system. I didn't put mascara on, but I'm wearing a bold Hello? lip color for you. I can't hear it. Is, is it on? Am I on? Uh-oh. Here comes Aristotle. I don't have a boyfriend, but I've got Aristotle. Can he hear you? I hear, yeah. No, All there right. we go. Oh my God, I'm there so caffeinated. Are. Are you jacked up and ready to go? What is yeah, that? This is Listerine Mint Spray. We're not sponsored by them, but I'm hoping. You just, I just point here. Spray. I'll put the oh no, the other way. Put the oh. that hole, Listerine hole towards your mouth hole, and the Listerine hole towards get, my mouth yeah, hole. And get it going. Sold. Sold. Wait, no, you're you're spraying it onto the ether. Put the hole. No, hold on. I can't do Let this. me do this. this okay, is you're so married hard. though, right? Yeah. <laughs> no disrespect to your wife. This is not framed as a date. This is a. Uh, She's date. just spraying Listerine <laughs> hole in my mouth hole. Okay, open your mouth. <laughs> Wait, one more. So, um, so far, delightful. best podcast ever. Delightful. <laughs> oh, my God. I never would have figured that out. It would have taken me two hours and several instruction manuals. Well, so no, they're thank never going to sponsor us. God, <laughs> us. Like, you're going to be here for the rest it's of the It's not Listerine's <laughs> fault. I'm just dumb. Okay. Well, we did it. I think we nailed that fucking podcast. Great. Now, where, where do we go from do here? I get my check? <laughs> Oh no! I'm not getting. <laughs> oh my god! So at midnight, gave you some uh, some time off to do this, or? Well, we're on hiatus this week. We come back, uh, I believe, next week. Oh, is this because of Chris that. Hardwick's uh, honeymoon? Uh, no, it's just there was a pre-scheduled hiatus that Chris uh, wisely lined up his honeymoon for. Yes. Um. You, you know, we we. We're on 40 weeks of 52 per year. So, 40 weeks um, of 52 per year. Oh, got it. Yeah. So, like, we have like 12 off weeks spread out throughout the year. This is and more, and more in the summer. So, this is one of them. Remember when I was on at midnight and I won? Yeah, you're great. I can't believe you guys you let so me on the funny. show. How did I, like, if, if I'm not believing that, it didn't sound. But no. I'm, thank you is what I'm going to say. Thank you. Of course. We were delighted to have you on the show. You should come back and do it again that, soon. That's why you're here. Yeah. To make that. Now oh, we have it. We have it on elaborate. tape. We have. We can play it back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Did you go to Chris Hardwick's wedding? Because that's the only reason you're here also is to like, it's just me trying to get Chris on the podcast. Yeah. V. 
Well, I mean, you are in his comic Domain. book house. Yeah, he's right there. There he is, looking down on us with Myra and Jonah. Oh my goodness! And w- weird superhero suits. You've been in here probably a lot. This cubbyhole thing, um, right? I've never actually. No, I think I've recorded one podcast in here, and I don't even remember which one. No, no, no. Never mind. It wasn't a podcast. I was in here for a meeting with Chris one time. You just when came we were up first here? starting at midnight. We were doing a lot of like test shows here at Meltdown, yeah. and um. So we, Chris was working out of this space more then, and so I think we had a couple meetings where we like came in and just met here to like go over show business. I so. love that idea. A, a, yeah. a, upstairs in a cubbyhole above yeah. the comic book store. It's like the never-ending story or yeah. some kind of romantic, you know, nerd uh, fest. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, you're so buff. No disrespect. And by the way, let me just say shout out, shout out to your wife. Why am I saying shout out? I feel like I put on headphones. I'm kind of like I'm Power 106. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Can we get an air horn? <laughs> <laughs> shout out to your wife. <laughs> baby, baby. <laughs> I'm so disgusted with myself right now. Oh my God. And also the fact that I laugh the hardest at my own jokes, but that, oh, I'll get a great I'll get joke. Oh God. Um, I just want to say, if at any time I'm flirtatious with you, uh-huh. if I celebrate you in any uh-huh. way and I call attention to the fact that you're so buff or whatever. Uh, well, no, we muscles, have, my wife and I have a special kind of open marriage where I'm allowed to <laughs> go on podcasts and be flirted with. That's the only kind of like outside the marriage stuff we allow. But okay. in, in the podcast space, it's all, it's all safe. It's all fodder and all, yeah. for, all for entertainment. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I, I wrote yeah, copious notes. Okay. Oh, but then wow. here's the embarrassing thing. It kept correcting making a Alex Blagg Alexi Blagg. Oh, that's perfect. So no, it makes it seem like I'm in high school and yes. I'm like drawing your name and my name yeah. on a, in a heart and I'm like imagining what it'd be like to, to be married to you but I go, add, Alexi Blagg. You just add an eye. It sounds so natural because it's it just... It really does. It little, sounds so familiar. I'm Alex Blagg. You just I'm put an Alexi eye on there. Blagg. It's there we go. It's a little too natural if you ask oh. me. Anyway. Any hoosers. Uh, how are you doing? Uh, right are, now I'm great. Yeah? I'm feeling it's a nice day out. I'm energetic. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can't, I just had, I was on vacation last week and so now I'm, I'm like, you know, when you come back from vacation and you're like briefly excited about everything in your life again. And when do you think that'll change and shift? Like Monday probably. Oh, back to work. Today is Thursday. By Monday it'll be like, all right. Um, are you happy generally? Are you a happy person? Are you happy now in your I'm life? I'm happier than I want to be, you know? Than like, you want to yeah, be. Yeah, I feel like I'm one of those people in L.A. Like, I worry sometimes that I'm, like, one of those overly enthusiastic, happy people that, like, when I used to be younger and live in New York and stuff, I was just like, oh, look at this bullshit guy. Like, he's happy, you know? And so I I, I, I feel weirdly kind of, like, um, dubious about my happiness oh no it's no listen it's just i think it's because none of my business but i'm just gonna since we're doing okay. this podcast i think it's because you're a you know you're at odds with yourself because you're, you're in a transition going from the old you to the new you yeah. and it's okay to be happy i prefer you happy do i deserve to be happy yes, though of course do i you deserve do. love yes. i don't know look at this cool book i have that uh, i just found the alchemy called the, of happiness the alchemy of happiness i feel it's the sufi message yeah. i feel like it's okay to share this with you because i feel like you meditate and do stuff and work on yourself and are I happier do. than you should be in the comedy community I do, I so, do. Well, yeah, maybe there. I'll I'll read that. I've been into. It can be a touchstone. We can put our hand on it. I'm I'm reading a, um, the Excellent. Baba Ram Das book on audiobook right now. Oh, I don't read actual words because I'm again no, L.A. I, bullshit guy. No, it's but. not L.A. bullshit. I I do the same thing. I listen to like I I all I do is listen to podcasts and uh, audiobooks. Yeah, and it's my favorite thing in the world. And all I want to do is like you know it's the easiest way to 
learn. I'm so. currently going back and forth between audiobooks right now, between Baba Ram Das and the, the that new tell-all book about CAA. Oh, so what's the like, tell-all book? About? That's, I don't know. It's yeah. like some stupid oral history of like the founding of CAA. So I feel like that's like a really good peek into my spiritual makeup. Yeah. Uh, going back and forth between Baba Ram Das and CAA, like Michael Ovitt stories. Oh my God. It's a perfect balance. Yeah. A perfect blend. Uh, so. I haven't... What was I learning from? Are you in therapy? Um, no, but I probably should be. I've thought about it. If I had more time, I would do it. It's always like on my list every year of like New Year's resolutions. Like you know, you should like get get into therapy. Start really like you know working on yourself and having somebody keeping you accountable. Do you? Because you don't have red receipts, right? I don't have like what on text on your text. You have no red. No, receipts. I don't do that. I have friends who do that, and they say that they have that. I would never have read receipts. Mm-mm. I've asked Aristotle to have them just so I can know because he's really bad at texting sometimes mm-hmm. or responding. And I go, okay, maybe maybe read receipts. But my friends have read receipts because they say it f- makes them uh, uh, it makes them feel like they're being held accountable. Oh, interesting. And so that's their accountability. It's like more transparent. I suppose. Oh, that word. But like I'm so I just I feel like I'm so bombarded by communication and media that I can I'm always like worried that I'm not keeping up with it all. And so like the only thing keeping me sane is the like illusion that other people that are trying to get in touch with me like understand that I'm not ignoring them that maybe there's something going on in my life that's been keeping me from seeing their message and then thus getting back to them and so like losing that illusion with a red receipt just is horrifying oh wow the illusion so you're saying that it's an illusion that like that you are up to something and actually living your life. Yeah. The, the other person, you know, like when you send someone an email or a text and they haven't responded, right? And you're kind of like, oh, that's weird. That person hasn't responded. Yeah. But then in your mind, you're like justifying it like, well, maybe they're like, you know, it doesn't mean anything bad. They're just like yes. dealing with something and like they haven't gotten around to it yet. And so I think that little psychological illusion is important both to me and to that person. You're so right. You know, it's like a buffer. It's an and 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 it it might be true actually it and might it be true it, might, is it is true. usually true and I do that all the time where I'll have to have that conversation myself and I practice like cognitive behavioral therapy at, at all you know I'm I'm uh, at all times to talk myself off a ledge and spiraling and you know being insecure or just having a meltdown and uh, and my friend texted me today she had uh, she went hey I haven't I haven't heard from you in a while I hadn't responded to one of her texts yeah. or something. I haven't heard from you in a few days. Is everything cool? <laughs> and I was like, sorry to say, I was so irritated by this text uh, because I had only three days prior asked her what she was up to. And, yeah. uh, but she was spiraling and she wasn't feeling, you know, and I hadn't, and, uh, and it just made me never want to be that way. Yeah. And, uh, we're all just hanging on by a thread here. And I know. one unresponded text yeah. is just all we need to just push us into oblivion. I don't want to be that way. I know. I, Nobody uh, does. Yeah. But no. the reality is when you get texts and nine times out of ten I'm in my car or something and yeah. I just can't respond right then. But then like I go on with my day and by the time I park and like go do whatever I'm doing, I just forget about it. Yeah, and also if we're always hooked into responding to every text, yeah. I mean I'm very popular. I would never get anything done. Right. That's not true. But uh yeah, and I don't I don't know how I didn't see your text. I feel like I just saw your text this morning and I responded being like, Oh my god, I didn't miss I didn't know how I missed this uh, Jesus text or how to mm-hmm. refer to you or whatever. Yeah, I made a Jesus joke. Made a Jesus joke, I left you hanging. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you were fine. No, it's all right. You didn't, I mean I don't need you to be like L O L O L O. I don't know, I know. I don't know. It was just a dumb joke. It was fine. Um how long have you been married for? Um, I've been married for I can't believe I don't know that immediately. Oh, my I God. Think, You're so say, wait, wait. doomed. No, eight years. Eight years? Yeah, eight years. It, 2008, we got married. Oh, yeah. And this is what... How do we meet? 
Um, I think we have a lot of mutual friends. Tell Todd, the story about Todd Schulson. Oh, Todd Strauss Schulson. But I don't know if we met through Todd. I just think. Oh, and Aviva. Oh, uh, yeah. Yale, and yeah, I don't know. I think we met briefly, like way back when, through Aviva, and then uh, and then recent, more recently, um, you were in a pilot that I was executive producing. Dan Levy. Dan Levy. Yeah. yeah unfollowed for TPS. What happened to that pilot? Um, a regime change at TBS. Oh, really? Yeah, God, doesn't that happen at every network constantly. all the time? It's, it's, like, it's, 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 it's like one of the worst things that can happen when you sell or, and are making a pilot is uh, you sell it to one person and then a new president comes in. And then like because they're they're always going to just it doesn't negate like, everything. Yeah, yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't benefit them at all to pick up. A, a project that the old person oh bought God. because they don't it looks like they didn't they don't get credit for it yeah. so they just like they just usually clean house and so yeah we kind of got swept into that and then we were still out there at a couple other places maybe trying to find a new home for it oh but. my god that happened with me i sold the thing to showtime and that changed right after like we finished the third draft of the pilot mm-hmm. and then the change happened and then it was just done and i didn't yeah. get it i was like but what i don't why does it have to be done now? I don't. Under, this. Yeah. Oh God, it was devastating. Yeah, as a writer, yeah. I used to be more like this. This doesn't make sense to me. And I think as a producer, I've gotten a better insight into the inner workings of, of networks and studios. And so, like, you, once you understand the politics of it, it's like, oh, it makes perfect sense. It still sucks. Yeah. Because it's just like it's just it's just basically like basically political ass covering, and your hard work and creative energy has been put into that. You know, it becomes yeah. a casualty of that. It, it's always a tough thing, but. Um, it is what it is, so, you know. Is that did that happen? Because you were work, also working on the Moshe. This is you know Moshe Kasher. Yeah, it's okay to talk about. All this. Yeah, we can yeah. talk about anything. Moshe yeah. Kasher's pilot. What was that called? That's called Problematic with and, Moshe Kasher. We what, did that for Comedy Central. Oh, for Comedy Central. Yeah. So is that and happening? It's or what's still happening? we're 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 hearing good things. We're hearing yeah, good things. I can't officially say anything, but we're we've been getting good good signs and feedback. So okay. Hopefully by the time this uh, PCAST drops, oh, you know, maybe uh, <laughs> check it out on deadline.com oh my god oh my god oh what my are we doing god. who are we how did this just happen gotta stop reading that caa book oh my god yeah let's let's tap into ram Dass, okay <laughs> let's tap into that aspect of uh, your fucking audio book grounded again let's get grounded in our truth shall we um yeah what i really liked about you because i feel like i met yeah i met you in person for the second time but for me the first time as an mm-hmm. as an adult now mm-hmm. that my frontal lobe is solidified or whatever mm-hmm. uh, has formed meeting you on that Dan Levy pilot not so long ago, I liked you immediately because uh, you don't seem mean-spirited. And I get scared. Sometimes I get scared of, like, the comedy world and the men in comedy. And I feel like, oh, my God, are they misogynist? Do they hate women? Are they Mm -hmm. mad? Are they, like, it's just, like, I don't know. And something about you, you seem like you're, uh, and this could all be just, like, totally wrong and what I projected on you. But, uh I don't know. You, you said you meditate. I'm going to, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's okay to talk about that. Yeah. Just expose you for no. what you told me. Yeah. But yeah, it just seems like, wait, do you have kids? I do. I have uh, twin sons. They're almost two. They're almost two. Yeah. Um, What are their names? Winter and Wiley. Really? Yeah. Oh my God. I love this. Yeah. You're... We just, we opened up a Wes Anderson name book. I know. And it's just, <laughs> those, those jumped out at us. They called to us. Oh my god! <laughs> privileged white hipster couple. I love it. Book. Yeah. yeah, I support it. Look at my haircut. Um, it's not a mistake. No, they're they're adorable. You know, they, yeah. their names fit them. Um, well, I liked you because I don't know. You just seem like you were uh, a nice person. Uh, you meditate. You uh, you seemed. Uh, I'm going to say the word kind. I don't know. You listen to this Ram Dass thing. I feel like he would use that word at some point. Uh, and it's not too embarrassing to use that. Uh, 
you know. Yeah, no. Uh, those are all things yeah. I aspire towards. I don't know if I am those things, if you, I am any of those things. Well, but. how did you end up this way? Because, I mean, how did you, I mean. Well, I started in stand-up. And yeah. so maybe that's why I failed as a stand-up was I wasn't, like, angry, troubled, and mean enough. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. No, I don't know. Like, I, I think I had a good childhood i guess my parents were were nice and instilled you know values uh, like you know treating people with kindness and um and i don't know like i and i'm also just like uh pathologically afraid of conflict you are? so i just generally put out a a a, a people pleasing niceness that uh that you know i don't know maybe that's what you were picking up as well well yeah and also it's like you so okay let's uh, I mean, my God, it's already very tangential, but, uh, mm-hmm. so you you are, okay, you act, right? I don't know how to describe it. Actor. Yeah, I've done some acting. Writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've, you created At Midnight. Mm-hmm. You are an executive producer. You're a producer. You, uh, you got Moshe's show, mm-hmm. the Dan Levy show. Uh, you worked on Workaholics, right? Mm-hmm. You wrote on that or a producer? I was a writer on that, yeah. And, uh, so you... I feel like you have such a high stress job. You're talking about reading the, you know, the CAA book and, 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 and Ram Dass, but it's like, that's, that's interesting to me. And that's like the whole reason that conversation. And, and I felt like, I felt like I just wanted to be near you. And I felt like, uh, I was like, Oh my God, I hope he's okay with me just like tagging along. Like, and I think I followed you into the, yeah, into we had the writers. Really, room. We had like a fun conversation. Yeah. And I just yeah. felt like sometimes I just like being near a person because I just like, Oh God, I'm going to say the word energy, but I, whatever. Uh, yeah. I just like, I was like, Oh, this guy seems great. I just want to be near him. And I sat next to you and then I was like, called to to set or to to go shoot something which is the whole reason i was actually there but so what's interesting to me is the fact that like yeah is that juxtaposition of like ramdas stuff and then a caa uh whatever ex- well, book? The, because how do you, i want to know how you deal with the stress of like this business that's so like ego driven and intense yeah. and stressful yeah well that's the whole funny paradox of it to me is like all of the like kind of you know, uh, Buddhist Ram Dassi kind of stuff that I'm into is all about, you know, like killing like your your impulse for desire. Like, don't desire things. Like, you know, your, it's a, it, kill your ego, all that stuff. And then show business, which I'm so ambitious. Yeah, <laughs> I desire. You are. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I work really hard at it, and I do a lot of things. And it's it's like I I actually enjoy. I think the um. You know, the process of, of, you know, creating stuff and then trying to, like, you know, make them successful, you know, like uh, trying to, like, uh, you know, I don't know, whatever, climb that ladder. It's it's like this, it's these kind of weird sort of um, paradoxical kind of, like, uh, forces that, that, tension, that create a tension in me, I think, between, yeah. you know, trying to be mindful of just that, like, I don't need anything and everything that you know i require to be a happy complete individual is already right in front of me and then at the same time there's just like that that weird sort of showbiz thing that drives all of us that's just like i gotta achieve more yeah. <laughs> and do more or whatever. well you like what you do though right i do, you do i like feel you really do. lucky like yeah. I, I mean you know i grew up in in memphis tennessee and and like i always i don't know i just never i, I didn't have good experiences working you know kind of normal jobs like for right, other people and like, like i never jobs? liked having bosses i mean i had a million jobs growing i mean from the time i was 15 
you know, retail, restaurant, waiter, like, uh, I mean, everything. Like, I dre- my first job was I literally dressed up as Barney at children's birthday you parties. Did. Is this because you wanted to be a performer? And you no, 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 no. <laughs> it was just I was 15 and it was like, oh it was really God. good money at the really? time. And it was like, it was kind of a hard job. But yeah, it was like, it was the worst. It was, it was terrible because uh, I would just drive into these like, weirdly, there was always like poor, poorer families and they would, they would pay quite a bit of money and, and to this company oh. and then they would send me out and it was like super hot and I just like had this little boom box and I would play 30 minutes of Barney songs and dance around to them. That seems, uh, is it hard or easy? It sounds like it could be great. A great job for a child molester. You're not that. Physically but... hard. No, no. For, I was like, I was young and in good shape. So it was like, uh, I could deal, I guess, with the, 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 it was like really physically demanding, I guess, because it was yeah. just like hot in that suit. Yeah. Um, but anyway, and then like, you know, like I, I worked in, I, I went to college and then I worked in. Well, college, Emerson? No, I went to uh, the University of Memphis, kind of the Emerson of Memphis. The Emerson? Sort of. I don't even really understand it's like Emerson. the Ivy League of, like, Memphis. Memphis. Yeah, <laughs> real cool. Real cool. Uh, yeah, I grew up I grew up in, in Memphis, and I, I briefly went to the Ole Miss University of Mississippi for, like, a year, and then I decided I wanted to go to, like, study film and television, and there aren't a lot of film and television schools in the South, and Memphis just, they had one, and it seemed close and and convenient and then um so i went i kind of finished college there and then i did yeah i did all I, yeah i worked on film sets and then i moved to san francisco and i did uh, advertising while i kind of that's like when i started doing stand-up um how old are you when you started doing stand-up 23 23 i saw um i saw pat Oswalt and david cross pl- uh, perform at cobbs and i was like oh that was like the, one of the first stand-up shows I'd ever seen because like in the South, again, not a lot of comedy clubs, not a lot of comedy shows. So I saw that and I was like, I really want to do this. Started doing stand-up in San Francisco, you know, performing with like people like Moshe and Brent Weinbach. And, you guys were um, all like coming up together? Yeah, they were like – they had started, you know, probably a few months before me and were – they were always like I felt like more successful and like the people that I was kind of like aspiring to like, you know, do shows with and, and hang out with and whatever and – um and we did, you know, we did a lot of like these kind of open mics and and sort of showcase shows together, and um and yeah, I did that for like almost three years, just like you know doing sets like five, six nights a week. And what were, working... what, what, wait, wait, what, were, what was your stand up like? What were you saying? I want I want to hear some of it's these so early. Embarrassing I want to hear. It's like it was. You have to think it was like San Francisco in like two thousand three, four, and five. So it was. I was like. A lot of Bush stuff, just oh, like really. A lot. Oh, you were political. I was like, yeah, kind <laughs> of like I, like my the people I was really into at that time were, as I said, David Cross and Patton Oswalt, and that was when they were at the height of their kind of like angry liberal political stuff, and. I think I was just kind of trying to be like a version of that or whatever. Yeah. And I, I, I'm sure if you look back at my actual jokes from then now, it would just it would be. Uh, It'd be a nightmare for me. To nightmare? <laughs> do, do you remember any of them that weren't political? Uh, it all political. I remember some of the premises. Like I had this some joke about like how um, how I was like so, so disappointed because all of the parties that I saw in like eighties movies growing up, like teen parties, just seemed so much like bigger and more epic than anything I'd ever actually experienced in life yeah. and like you know and, and then I had this whole sort of run about that I can't remember it I will butcher it but okay. that was the premise of the joke I don't know um and then uh yeah I don't know it was a lot like I said a lot of bush stuff and then there was some stuff like about being from the south and how like you're kind of um treated like an idiot when you move to the coasts yeah um and uh, yeah nothing nothing great nothing oh, that, God. <laughs> that uh has stuck with me or survived the years but it was like you know my thing was never i, I never really i don't think 
wanted to be like a a stand-up comedian it was more of just like a means to an end of like a way to get into to show business and writing and film and television we were always like the sort of goals for me you did have that in the back of your mind or did it kind of oh, just yeah. unfold that way where you're like well did you feel like very this conscious you from, it really was yeah from oh, all wow. like my freshman year of like it was really my senior year of high school was when i kind of was like oh this is i want to people write movies and tv shows and like that's what i want to do oh wow and then it was kind of a it's been a weird long circuitous way of getting to there but um that was always like the kind of the goal and it was good because it was like no matter what i was doing or where i went uh it was just like the the sort of north star that i could always kind of like know where i was trying to go were there things about stand-up that you were like this doesn't work for me or i don't like this or this is like too intense and so that's or because i feel like i uh I was doing stand-up when I was like 18, and I like comedy. I love comedy. I like writing. But for me, it was like, oh, it was too masculine or scary, or I was drinking so much because I was so, it's so mm-hmm. scary. It's like so yeah, terrifying. Were you t- also? Yeah, that was like when it was like, that, like my 20s in San Francisco and New York were just like, I was Drunk. just like blacked out the whole <laughs> totally. time. Totally. <laughs> because it's like, uh, it's a terrifying thing. I would do like three or four open mics a night and run around like, and you know, and or all these older guys, and maybe it's different being a girl too. I was like, yeah, it can, you know, eighteen-year-old girl just like, hey, you know, it's just. Yeah. I'm sure I was I'm, like very. I can see that being weird. It, it was tough. just terrifying. And then yeah. you end up, I ended up dating a bunch of comedians. It's just fucked up and yeah, horrible. Yeah. And I'm so glad, like, you know. And then when like blogs started popping up, and I was like, oh, that sounds ridiculous and gross. Uh, the word blog and what is that all about? But then I thought, oh no, this is great. Like podcasts and blogs is a mm-hmm. great opportunity to like write and still be funny but not in using doing stand-up for you yeah know, like, that's exactly my story i mean i was doing that that's my story yeah well, well no, okay that's I our mean, story <laughs> alexi <is> black <laughs> uh, it all comes back to alexi black, alexi black <laughs> uh yeah no i was you like still got it. I, we, we got it uh but yeah it's yeah so maybe not stand-up but then in the world of comedy and so yeah, yeah, all of a sudden like, there were all these like new ways that you could you could be funny without just like hanging around in a you know for two hours at an open mic to oh. do your six minutes for a room full of people that don't give a shit. Now it's know? only three minutes because I you know I'll uh, oh even for like I was like so excited to be on at midnight I was like I should probably try to you know do the ultimate scary thing to prepare to be on at midnight. Uh, I'm going to go to open mics again and see what that's all about. Now it's like three minutes. All you get is three minutes, which is like useless. It's like you get up. It's just, anyway. I went to um, one open mic in LA and it was just, <laughs> wow. I was like, I was, it was staggering. Cause yeah. I mean, they're all kind of like rough, right? Where you got a lot of newcomers that don't know what they're doing and, yeah. and whatever. But like, I don't know. There was just a weird desperation to the LA one that I was like, Oh, more so than is... any other, you think? Well, yeah, in San Francisco, at least it was like, Chill. I don't know. It was like lower stakes. You know what I mean? No one was like thinking that they were like going to get on TV the next day. Yeah. You know, it was just, I don't know. Anyway. Um, but yeah. And then the opportunity, and then making videos and I, I making videos, uh, and a blog, how having a blog or all these, it almost seems smarter because anybody can access them and you can reach a wider audience mm-hmm. immediately. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so I want let's go back to you and the celebration of you. Um, so you're doing stand up, yeah. Your friends were with Brent, yeah, and, Brent, and, Moshe, and Moshe, and uh, you know, I don't know who else is around that, Ali Wong. Um, Jasper Red, like bunch Jasper of Jasper Red. Yeah, who's that? He's a he's a comic that was like Sounds he gorgeous. was like he was kind of like I think the biggest of all of that sort of 
group uh, at the time. Um, and I think he's still out here doing stuff. I haven't seen him though in that years. I've run into good. a bunch of those people. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I think it's even- Nico Santos. He was he was around. He's on Superstore now, and uh, Jacob Siroff. bunch of bunch of people, and most of them are down here. Guy Branham. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so I was doing stand up, and then during the day, I had like this day job working in advertising as a copywriter for this like weird marketing firm in Walnut Creek. It was very not like glamorous or fun advertising it was like writing coming up with like names for suburban home developments or whatever and (laughs) and and then to like get through the day there it was also you know again 2004 2005 it was like the sort of beginning of the like blogging thing right like as you said it was definitely before it was i don't think it was ever cool but it was like before it was something you could tell people without being openly mocked yeah and like yeah, I just started like a blog then. And, you Is that know, your, started... Tumblr? your Tumblr? No, no, no. no. Oh. It was like it was a, it was called Black Blog. Black on... Blog. Yeah, God, was... your last name is just so conducive to comedy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Black Blog. It was blog. just the, literally the Black-zine. first the first name that popped into my head it was a Blog Black uh, Black Blog. I love it. Um, and it was on Blogspot. And, oh my God, I yeah, love it. <laughs> that dates it a little bit. That is so embarrassing. People still have that now. They're like Blogspot. It's like really, you really expect us to type that in? Yeah, Fuck you. Yeah. yeah. Blackblog.blogspot.com. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah this yeah is too good. Okay. it was crazy so you're doing your black blog so i'm doing that and then it starts like getting like you know like like i'd start would would get linked to on like defamer and gawker and college humor and like these bigger sites and all of a sudden it was like oh wow there's like a real audience of people that are starting to kind of come every day like you know and reading my comedy and and it was like very quickly it became clear to me i was like well I mean, you know, the stand-up stuff's going okay. I'm doing these open mics and, like, doing yeah. little shows in San Francisco and stuff. And it's, like, starting to get on, like, you know, cobs and things like that. But then the blogging thing happened. And all of a sudden that really began, like, that was, like, all of a sudden creating all this opportunity. So, like, the guy that created that show Best Week Ever on VH1 mm-hmm. in New York. What's his name? Fred Graver. Okay. Uh, really smart guy. And he was, like, very – he's very internet savvy. And he kind of had – he and this, and this other guy, Bob Castrone, that was working with him, who's a good friend of mine now – um, they were, we were like, they were fans of my blog and we were kind of friends on the internet. And so they hired me to move to New York and like overnight it was amazing. I mean, for me, it was amazing. I was like 24, 25. I was secretly blogging for free at my day job that I hated. And then they basically hired me to pay, like doubled my salary wow. to move to New York to just blog for them and yeah. do keep just basically they were literally, they were like, just do what you're already doing for best week ever. For best week ever. Oh my God. And what were you writing about on your blog that people were like, what's amazing? Like, dumb, like, you know, rants about DJ culture or yeah. like making fun of Tom Cruise. I don't know. It was Anything just like, you felt. yeah, it was like whatever the internet was talking about back then. I would, oh, wow. I would kind of like have my little takes on it. And I went back recently and like looked through some of those old blog posts and, and deleted them. Because, you did? You know, it was horrifying. It was like, oh my god, like, should was, I do that with maybe. my blog? I mean, it was like, uh, nobody you know, cares. Eleven that. years ago, and it's like it was a different time, and a lot of the, th- and I was younger and more immature. And it's like a lot of the things I felt like the jokes I was making, things I was writing, were, shall we say, not woke. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> like, I feel like I have shit on my. You know oh what I mean? my god, yeah. I was like, oh, uh, I a- should not have this just online that's like, such a weird thing that's like i had a uh, molly mcalear in yeah, here do you know yeah, her I know Molly's, yeah. um so we're she was talking we're talking about how it's it's weird to like have you're, you're kind of growing up mm-hmm. uh online now yeah where it's like okay my early to mid to late 20s are all like in weird very uh, exposing uh yeah. journal-esque entries online and like vlogs and just me yeah. talking 
it's bizarre. It's a bizarre time because now you're yeah we're, we're adults, I guess, and then yeah. and then have that to look at. So now there's a whole. I'm a firm believer in pruning those hedges. Really? Clean that stuff. Are you up. sure? Oh God, I just because I go, I don't give a fuck. But maybe yeah. I should, should I give a fuck? I don't know. I just have this like I I don't I'm uncomfortable with. I mean, I, I get I see what you're saying. On like on one hand, it's like there's something interesting to you about being able to kind of look back and track I didn't your say it was growth interesting. and progression. No, I, I'm saying it's the first time that, that now we're at this time where now there's been a little bit of enough time Yeah, where we're at now culturally to go, oh, wow. So, oh, all this. Now, now your, your coming of age is online. I'm not saying it's cool. I'm just saying. It is interesting. It, not, I think uh, on like yeah, a level, almost scary. like looking at like a yearbook or something. Yeah, but, you know, you see, but anybody can access from anywhere. That's so where I get uncomfortable. I, I'm not even saying, I don't even know what it is, what, I, what I'm saying. I'm just saying that it's like, wow, maybe we should all look back on all of our stuff yeah. and really try to delete our MySpaces because yeah. uh, it's embarrassing. Well, luckily, Blogspot has a thing. Oh, no. <laughs> this is just a, like this is, this is a paid advertisement <laughs> yeah. for Blogspot. Is it? <laughs> uh, you can make it private. So you can. I can still see it if I want to go back and read it or whatever. But, like, I just don't. It's like, oh, no. yeah, I don't want to, like, necessarily have my words out there that, like, I don't necessarily agree with anymore or things, you know, yeah. opinions that I that I once published that are... Just you know, oh, you're you're. I, I've been five different people since I was twenty five. Yeah, you know? and like, I yeah. mean, we're only twenty seven now. So what does it all mean? But uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, forever. But uh, I think I was like, I was going to get hired to do some like internet uh, commercial, like direct some kind of weird commercial for some company. And I think mm-hmm. they they looked at my blog or they looked at old stuff or some shit I have floating on the internet or whatever. And I like they didn't like they're like, oh, we're going to go a different way. And I'm like, fuck. What did they see that made them not want to give me the job? This like, is, I don't know. what It could have been anything. This is a true story. I have a friend that was one of my, like, good blogger friends from New York that was, you know, it was a prominent blogger, like, wrote, a, you know, a bunch of big sites. And um, he moved out here to be a writer. And yeah. he had a meeting with, like, um, a big film company, a big film director, producer that was, like, interested in working with him on a project. Yeah. And he finally and he meets this director who's like a you know big studio director guy and they had a good meeting and the director realized that he had written for this site and so he went and, and somehow the director like left the meeting looked at the site cuz he remembered being like shit talked on this site and he like found the post that this guy had written about his movie or whatever oh and God. then basically told him through his agent like I'm not going to work with you because of the shit that you talked about me which oh. is like I think anyone who's been like you know, when you're writing things on the internet as a young person and you're just kind of like spewing your opinions about everything and anything yeah. out there, like there does become a point, especially if you're like, you know, if you're like us and you do, you know, want to work in, in Hollywood and show business that yeah. like some of that shit will come back to haunt you because, God. you know. Yeah, I, I don't even think I've ever, I think I've always been very like for agreementcy where it's like, uh, don't, I'm, I'm like not, just, I don't talk shit. Yeah, I, yeah, I really yeah. don't. I don't think any, my old stuff was never like, uh, about people it was always about about me or my thoughts yeah. of like uh, being uncomfortable in my skin or insecure or like thoughts on uh, vague ideas in the world or noticing a thing and talking about what i noticed but never like celebrity stuff or, or yeah. like Ugh. but maybe i gotta check i don't think i did but i better look back but even i think i yeah i don't know my little corner of the internet back then was very it was like that was like the age of like what you know blog snark or whatever where it was like yeah. it, it was all about the whole sort of voice of and tone of it then was just like snarky this like eye rolly making fun of everything type of stuff and like yeah i just i as i got older i got increasingly uncomfortable with that oh that's and good yeah it's, well it's i mean oh, it's on a number of levels i mean not just the like 
you know, whatever, like political, like, I don't want to like, uh, you know, um, alienate people that I, I might give me a job someday, but also just on a personal level of just like, I, who, who the fuck, like, what the fuck do I know about any of this stuff? And who am I to be like the, yeah. Cause you're know, growing up and there's more time and you're like, Oh, I realize I don't, I don't know everything. And I'm yeah. not, uh, yeah. And you relax a bit. And you, you when you're know, 25, so. you think you literally know everything. Yeah. Yeah. When you're it's, 35, you're like, Oh, how oh, I embarrassing. Don't I don't know shit. Yeah, I'm still figuring. I don't Yeah. Oh, God. And I think a lot of my stuff was, wasn't even mean. But it was like too sexual or I was like too openly talking about sexual stuff. And mm-hmm. I think that's also very uncomfortable to people or people don't like that or anyway. I remember, yeah, when I. Yeah, people on the Internet hate sex they stuff. They hate sex they stuff. No, but I mean, like, but, uh, no, but I mean, like to, to get hired to direct a thing. uh People were like, didn't, didn't like the fact that I had like made sexual or talking about sex stuff online. Mm-hmm. They thought that was too risque, and maybe the company I, I was going to make a thing for it was too, uh, you know, clean cut or something. Mm-hmm. Kirk Cameron's company. Kirk Cameron's you company. How did you know? Oh my left, god, I can't believe it. Left, who told left you? Web was that on Deadline? I can't believe it. I don't read Deadline, by the way. I feel like de- reading Deadline is terrifying. Yeah, it makes I don't you know. too like we're going to oh, wait. I should uh, like uh, like I don't know. Like, yeah, no, I know that the, the yeah the fear of missing out stuff. I, f- I I I used to feel more of that way. I think that's the nice thing about like the way my career works now is is being well, you know busy, uh, a writer and producer, but doing a lot of different stuff. I I find that I feel less of that sense of like I used to have this thing where every time my one of my friends or someone I knew had like some good thing happen for them I'd read about on Deadline or the internet I'd be like oh I should be doing that like yeah. that's what I should be doing yeah and it would create this like weird ADD where I was constantly like you know no I should be doing that I should work on a book or I should be working yeah, on a, working I should on do a web book. series I should oh. direct something I should yeah. blah 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 and now I I think I've kind of settled into like my career and what I do and yeah. the projects that like I'm working on and, and it, I don't. And now I, I feel like it's more of just like being aware of what other stuff is going on out there as a producer. And then, you know, it's always nice to see. Now I feel like when I, good things happen for my friends, I, 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 I'm glad I'm able to like celebrate that and yeah. feel happy for them without any of that weird like, you know, I don't know. What do you, uh, what's your goal to do? I mean like uh, what's your, with all the stuff you're doing is it just to make, make good work or make funny stuff or like what is your. I think I'd like to eventually, you know, create uh my own show the scripted show i you know i I think yeah i think you know being a a a scripted showrunner is one thing Uh, you know i i I write movies too i think eventually being able to write and direct my own movies would be um would be cool um those are kind of the the big sort of creative goals and and then i think as a producer you know i have a company with my two partners john and jason and uh, you know what's the what exciting about that for me is it's like i feel like as a writer you kind of need a, or sometimes you need a day job. I mean, now things are picking up to a point where I wouldn't need a day job as much. So it's more of a juggling thing. But you know, it's it's. I started that at a point in my life where I did need a day job, and so my thought was like, oh, I'll create a company where I can like make stuff with my friends, and this will be my day job between What's that gigs. Called? It's called Serious Business. Serious and so, Business. Yeah. So like Dan's pilot and and the Moshe Kasher pilot, um, and at midnight and. A bunch of other stuff we're doing for you know MTV and TBS and all this other stuff. Where that's through that company, and so a lot of that is like finding performers, comedians, writers, and stuff that we're fans of and want to work with, friends of mine, and you know helping them kind of shape and develop their projects and bring other you know collaborators and talent to it, and then sell those things and try to like make good shows out of them. Um, is that part of my business? And I and it's you know that's become you know i think at midnight created a lot of opportunities for us and so we've been able to sell other stuff and as that grows you know i i really like having this place that i can like 
you know, work on stuff that's just not mine. Cause it's like you spend all this time like sitting in a room alone writing a script or something and you just like, I, like my brain needs to think about and problem solve other stuff. Mm-hmm. And to have that outlet, I think, is, has been really, um, has really been really good for me. And I, I work best on everything when I feel like I'm overwhelmed with things. Oh, like, you so, do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I, if I have like one thing that I'm working on in like weeks or months to do it, it's just like I'm so inefficient. I'll just waste time yeah. and like don't, don't do anything. But it's like if I have eight things that I have to be doing right now, it's like I just I, I naturally just like you just focus on it and get it done. And like I don't know, like it, it, it helps, I think, me uh, work at my best, you oh, know, to do to be doing a lot of things at one time. Um, how do you balance? All, so you have so you're you're married. You've got kids. You have your production company. You've got all these things going on. You've got at midnight. And I also want to know, I'm going to put a pin in this, but I want to know how that all came mm-hmm. to be, how at midnight came to be. But uh, but how? Do, what time do you wake up in the morning? Like, uh, you know, you're doing so many things. Like, what does a day in your life look like? Because there's a lot of shit happening. Yeah, I usually wake up at like 6.30 between, you know, yeah, around 6.30. And I'm usually out of bed by, by 7. I'll spend a half an hour just like <laughs> wasting time looking at the internet. On a good day, sometimes I'll just meditate right there. You do? You meditate right there? Laying yeah. down? No, no, I sit up. You sit up. and Or I'll, I'll go into another, another room or whatever. Does your wife and, meditate? No, she doesn't meditate. No. All right. So it's just me. Um, oh, God. It's just me out there alone <laughs> in the void. With the universe. With the, oh, my God. <laughs> it is so quiet and so lonely. No. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, That's good. Okay. Yeah, yeah, just me. You get up. Oh wait, but do you also do you when you wake up in the uh do you immediately reach for your phone? Usually, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. I hate that I, habit. I, I, you got to make out with your wife and have sex. Put the phone in the other room. I should. I I, it's I should too sad. I should put the I, I think I'm going to I've been thinking a lot about this of leaving my phone downstairs. Leave it downstairs. I'm talking about this with a lot of people because yeah. it's I, I you know, I'm single. Uh, I'm not I know I've said I'm not dating for a year, but in the moments when I have had rendezvous with men and I sleep over and it's you wake up in the morning and I'm like, "Oh my god, here we are." And this is the voice in my head. Mm-hmm. Like, here we are waking up. Oh my goodness, I wonder what this is going to look like, how it's going to unfold. And then immediately he just like I'm glazes over. Yeah, he glazes <laughs> over. He doesn't kiss me. He doesn't try to have sex with me. Uh, and he reaches for his phone and he's like looking through his Twitter and doing and like responding to things. And I just feel like the ugliest, most undesirable monster. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even if I am, like that's one thing, but I don't want him to make me feel that mm-hmm. way. But, uh, but is, just, he, is he verified on Twitter? Fuck yeah, he well, is. I that's can't... the price oh, you pay. I cannot believe you just said this because, oh my God, we're going to get back to the daily life and your structure of meditating. But I was just saying this to Aristotle before you got here. And I'm not, okay. I always make this monster joke. Uh, I feel like the podcast just came to life because I'm talking about dating. <laughs> but, oh my God, this coffee just kicked in. This condensation is crazy. Um, I always make this horrible joke uh, as if I'm a monster where I'm like, you know what? My ideal guy is uh, he drives a Tesla. Like I'm, I'm like to sound like a monster. I say this to my girlfriend. So he drives a Tesla. He's done a TED talk. Uh, this is my dream guy. And he's uh, he's verified. All right. And I met this guy and I went on a date with a guy who fits all these things. I couldn't believe it. Sean Parker. Sean motherfucking Parker. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. No, wait, he's married to it. He's think. married too. <laughs> That's weird that we still went on a date though. But yeah. um but I would say, okay, drives a Tesla. Mm-hmm. Has but it? now, now there's like an affordable Tesla. So oh, like, there is. There's like a thirty thousand dollar Tesla. So oh, that's that the affordable one. Yeah, actually, is not. it the electric car that you oh, liked, or is God. it the fact that it was a status symbol? I like the status. No, yeah. it's a Tesla. It's done a TED talk, and ideally, 
uh, he would not be on social media, but if he were on social media, mm-hmm. he'd be verified because that's a right. whole other level of amazing because he chooses not to be. That's like what my dream guy would be. And then I met this guy. Just say internet loser. That's all you have to say. Internet all the, all loser? The, yeah, you want to date an internet loser. Internet loser? Like a Silicon Valley trip. Oh, that's an internet loser? Or trip. Let's say trip. Trip? What is that word? It's short for entrepreneur. A lot trip. of trips out there. Oh, all of my these people God. that go to TED Talks and drive Teslas and... Oh my God, your uh, internet videos are coming to life. Obsessed with being uh, verified on Twitter. Yeah, this is a little bajillion hitsy. Oh my God, those videos are so great. But I, so I, I met the, I, yeah. I, I got asked on a date by this guy, mm-hmm. by a guy who fits this bill. I couldn't believe it. I went, oh my God, the monster in me is coming to life. Am I a monster or was I just asking the universe for what I deserve? And, uh, and he asked me out on a date, picked me up from therapy in his Tesla yesterday. Nice. I was like, I guess I'm going to do this. I'm just going to, you know, I'm, uh, whatever. Uh, he's a very nice person. Um, and then we went to an ice and we, we, we went to an isolation tank and cool. we like got yeah. an isolation. I thought I that was those. very cool. Which one? Float in, uh, Pas- in San uh, Monica. No, I go to the one in Pasadena. It was just float. Called just float. <laughs> <laughs> That's all they're called. They're either float, just float, float chill. Floating. Fun, fun float. Wanna float? <laughs> float let's mine. float. Yeah, let's float. <laughs> totally floating. <laughs> we are riffing hard today. It's really oh, great. A Thank lot you for of bits. A lot of riffs and bits. I just laughed so hard. I went completely <laughs> silent and I flexed my stomach muscles. It's just so worth it. But uh, it was a great date. And then he took me to Jelena. Not great restaurant. Uh, it's a great restaurant. One of my favorites, actually. One of your faves. Mm-hmm. You're a power player in showbiz mm-hmm. here in Tinseltown, you mm-hmm. know? like And it was, uh, yeah. And uh, I don't know what the point of all that was, but uh, I just had to tell you. Yeah, because oh, when we wake up in the morning, he's verified. Oh, and... blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Um, well, you're verified, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God! Multiple shows I mean, verified. What kind of car do you drive? Life changing. What kind of car do you drive? <laughs> An Acura RDX. And, uh, it sounds cool. Just, what's what's like the RDX a, stand it's like for? It's like a dad car. It's just uh, it's like a, a sounds a, cool. A, 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 what do they call it? A crossover hybrid. Crossover hybrid. Like I don't understand it, which makes me I don't intrigued. Know what that is either. <laughs> oh yeah. my God. Um, I don't know where. We're, oh, so wait. You wake up in the morning. You're gonna put the phone downstairs. You don't. Okay, yeah. So no more lifting. What I'm saying for your wife in her best interest. Yeah. You know, make out, yeah. cozy up, yeah. cuddle, do something crazy and Should fun. Um, anyway. Yeah. So, okay. Back to your yes. So then day I'll, in the then life. I'll either, maybe I'll write a little bit if I have some time, if the kids aren't up yet. And usually I'm just kind of waiting for my children to wake up. They wake up anytime between 7, 15 and 8. Must be nice. Yeah. It's nice. And so depending on how, how late they're sleeping in, I might get some stuff, a little bit of writing done. And then they wake up. We have breakfast together. I usually then like... I think five days a week I'll exercise for yeah. either run or go to the, I know. the YMCA. Look at wait in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I used to go there. Maybe yeah. I'll join again. We can be a yeah, workout buddies. Be Could be a dream. Alexi like- Black. Oh god! <laughs> Thank God I created that thing up top. You right, and then we can it's use it throughout the, the show. Runner. The runner. God damn it! We need to do it. I was gonna say runner. I know where it's like that. Um, Wait, will you flex your muscles? Uh, You're so no. buff. Please flex your muscles for me. I don't me. have muscles. Yes, you do. You're I so buff. No, oh, I'm my. Not. No, do it for real right no, now. Do it now. Don't this play this so... weird coy game oh with me. God. Oh, my God. Oh You're my so God. buff. It's this crazy. Is terrible. I'm so not buff. For all you podcast <laughs> listeners out there, <laughs> I'm like Let a doughy writer do type. Do it hard. Do it hard. Okay. Let me feel. Oh, this is real cool. Oh, this is great. He refu- you refuse to flex for me. Yeah, you flex too, Aristotle. Okay, Aristotle nobody, yeah. shredded <laughs> up. I just feel like, uh, listen, both these men are tired of me. I actually forgot you were in the room for a second. I was so engaged in the podcast, I forgot <laughs> you were here for a moment. It's a testament to my guest. Um, okay, so uh, 
Where are we going to all this? Oh, yeah. I, anyway, I exercise, then I go to work, and then I come home and is have it, dinner with my kids. It's fulfilling? Is it a great life? Is it cozy? Is there more? Tell me. Should I get yeah, married and have I mean, kids? I'm always, I think, it, like, on my best, I think overall my baseline, like, happiness, fulfillment level is very high. Yeah. Um, I think I definitely have days where I feel a little like, oh, I'm, like, kind of on the hamster wheel here where I'm, like, I, I, I because I love routine and structure, and I kind of thrive on it, but then yeah. sometimes on bad days, it's like, oh, God, I'm just, like, doing the same thing over and over and like to what end you know like oh who cares like you, you what are you gonna like we're all just gonna die yeah we're all just gonna die so like doesn't matter if you get another show or you make a show or, like whatever and then and then on other days like i i feel like i i realize that like i get to go to work and work with other funny smart people that i like and do something that's like fun and exciting and kind of rarefied air and and i feel good about it and and you know i i think i think sometimes i maybe foolishly sort of have this idea of like working very hard right now to be able to not retire early but like slow down a lot in my 40s and kind of work more exclusively on projects that mean a lot to me creatively or you know and spend more time on less things as opposed to like spending so much time on so many things and 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 then you know yeah just be a like kind of live a more pastoral slow life or whatever and i don't know if that'll ever happen but that's that's kind of like how i at least sort of make sense of my life and my choices. Yeah. Do you and you want to make a feature? Right. Is that yeah, what you I'd said? like to. Yeah. I mean, want, I've written a couple. A I think. Yeah. Eventually, it would be. You know, I, I grew up like loving. You know, film and 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 and. You know, I think that's always been kind of the the goal for me. And I think working in television, especially as an executive producer and showrunner and stuff, like you, I feel like that's where I'm really starting to learn the skill sets that you need in terms of like you know personality management and and being able to sort of express and and execute your creative vision while dealing with like the collaborative nature of of film and television which is like you got to work with a lot of people and know how to like you know balance everybody and everything um have you ever gotten any crazy fights having to deal with talent or anything or just like or in meetings with executives is it ever like you know uh, very stressful and something crazy happens where you're like fuck I, what this business is like uh, there's I feel like it's never it's never been anything crazy there's all there's just it's always like small little slights and stresses and annoyances that you have because again you're dealing with big personalities big egos and you just it, it's like it's an ongoing kind of process of learning how to manage that stuff and it, I find that usually the the answer for me is like no matter what the problem is, is checking my own ego and you kind of like that tends to sort of present the solution to whatever the problem is. If you just can learn to like step back and be like, all right, who cares? Like, you know, I'm, yeah. knowing how to pick your battles, I guess. Is, a is lot that your it. phone? I don't think so. Is that my phone? No, that's not my phone. It was my phone. <laughs> I can't believe it. Such an amateur podcast was- move. <laughs> Such an amateur podcast. <laughs> That's never happened. That would be amazing if that was like Chris Hardwick. He was like, I can hear you. Guys, she is oh, literally God. texting <laughs> while I'm talking. That's how boring Do you this know is. That I did, I did a, a, some, a woman's podcast, some, somebody's podcast. And she was like texting while I was speaking. And it That's was a fun energy. It That's was like horrible. Cool I, I am not doing that. I am. I would <laughs> never do that. That was that was a rookie mistake. It's only happened twice. I'm glad you could have been <laughs> one of two. Oh. Well, we're done. Um, my great. God, wait. A, um, do you feel creatively fulfilled now? Um, you know that's the thing. It's like I try to. I try to re- like. So I try to really. No, no okay. I, I think what I've learned is like really trying to like feel 
and celebrate and honor the small victories that you have along the way because like there's just the nature of this business and I know I'm not the only one who's said or thought this is that like you know the goal line is always moving you never get there like whatever your goals are whatever you want to do you get you know you make progress and then what you really want still seems further and further away and so like you just kind of have to understand that it's not there's no destination and that it's like trying to you know feel good about the stuff the the good things that happen you know day to day along the way or whatever what okay so if you move into scripted stuff and you make your feature you make a scripted tv show scripted series mm-hmm. what do you want to say like do you have some kind of like uh what what would you be trying to say with the thing i think that's the challenge is like figuring out how to distill my voice and my point of view and thoughts and world you know life experience into a show or into a, a script or a movie or whatever and, and i think that's right. why it's elusive i don't think i've done it yet you don't you know, know are I, there any re- recurring themes in uh, your brain certainly like, there's like ram dossy stuff in there yeah. i don't know i, I mean I, I weirdly the recurring sort of like thematic subject matter i would say of all, like the, the thing that ties probably all of my work together is weirdly it's like social media internet culture oh really i just think because i grew up in that and that's kind of what's my path and like i you know not that it's like the only thing i'm interested in or obsessed with but it it definitely i think almost everything i've done there's like a little bit of that in there and um and yeah like i don't and i don't know if that's necessarily like the end all be all sort of uh you know creative expression that i'm um, chasing uh but that thus far has been a lot of uh you know what's what sort of is the common denominator in my work what about it are you saying is that the fact that we're all connected or that it's uh or or i think it's more of like human behavior the way that technology has has changed human behavior and and the effect that it's had and how our lives have you know sort of evolved and morphed as as you know like digital technology has 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 grown and changed and how you know it's a good and a bad thing and it's like i don't i don't want to sound like a, a you know sunday styles piece or something about, about the do. way that we that live looks, now yeah, but yeah. It, i don't know like i, I i'm here. somebody who like has been pretty active on 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 the internet from from an early age and i don't think always, you're snapchatting enough lately though yeah i've kind of like put the brakes on snapchat you a little have? bit yeah I'm, that's that's because this kind of gets to the heart of what i'm talking about is like I'm, a, I'm i'm very fascinated by it and interested in it but i think the more that i think about it and the more that i am immersed in it the more i want to pull back from it I i'm like it. both i love it and i hate it at the same time and it's like the more i sort of I don't know, start to see all the patterns of the ways that people, you know, express and present themselves and the, the and distort themselves and, and, and how it's like changing our, 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 our behaviors and our, our friendships and relationships and all of these things. It's like, I think creatively, it's like really interesting. But yeah. then I think personally, I'm like, I want to throw my phone into the ocean I and move it. to the forest. Yeah, I used to be so happy when you could go uh, on an airplane and be like, oh, I'm allowed to not be online now. Mm-hmm. And that, but now you can be. No. You know, now there's no thanks, escape. Thanks, Go-Go. Yeah, thanks a lot, Go-Go in flight. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was weird. The other day I went to some like, uh, there was like this whole Cine Family weekend. It was called Women of Cine Family. And, mm-hmm. and that was like part of this thing. It was so exciting to me. And uh, I was, I don't know why I'm getting, getting all these unnecessary details already. But uh, I was driving to some dinner for the, Cine, uh, the Women of Cine Family thing. And part of the event was they had this bizarre car in front of the restaurant with like a spaceship on top of it. And they were releasing doves from this weird spaceship. <laughs> Made no sense, completely bizarre and ridiculous. But uh, so I was driving up 
And I end up right behind the car that's releasing the doves. And I'm looking at it. And immediately I grab my phone and uh, to Snapchat because I don't want to miss the experience. But I was trying to look at the thing and Snapchat so I I could experience it in real life and Snapchat it. And then I realized I accidentally had the camera turned towards my face. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Did you get get your uh, expression of delight? No, I deleted it. And let me tell you, it even right now... I'm still internally like gutted and upset that I missed the Snapchat opportunity oh. because it would have made such I could have saved it to my phone, put it on my Instagram, yeah. uh, you know, linked it to my Twitter. And I'm like, God, doves being released from a, a bizarre looking car, like a Dennis Woodruffy looking car with a big spaceship on top. Like, yeah, the ultimate snap. This could have been yeah. amazing. So but then I'm also like, I'm glad I chose to see it with my own eyes and exp- take in the moment. So it's like this weird balance of like trying to be aware of like. I'm just, you know, I'm going off on this ramble, but I mean, uh, and it's just everything that we're talking about, like the fact that now we live in a time where we have enough distance on the kind of the beginning popularity of the internet. And now that we, it's maybe a good idea to go prune what you put out there because yeah. you've, you know, you've come up with all your, fo- all the photos you have of yourself at drunk at parties, holding alcohol on Facebook or MySpace, like all that shit exists. And the fact that like now maybe we have to make a conscious choice to figure out how to curate that better and be smarter. Do you know what my ultimate professional goal is what to to not need to be on the internet at all ever to feel like 100 percent comfortable with not putting anything onto the world i totally get that (laughs) and because my whole thing is like i i if i wasn't trying to self-promote with like listen to the podcast and all this stuff or like well my thing then i wouldn't be on i don't know why a lot of people people who aren't Self, well, I guess they are promoting themselves. They're still promoting themselves. themselves. They may not have a podcast or web or series, think, but they still want to feel loved. Yeah, exactly. I think, I know, I do think about that. I think, uh, God, I, I even feel like, oh man, I don't even know where to go with this. This is such a deep, this is such a real thing though, but uh, I even feel like, uh, oh, I feel like when I, you know, I go on Snapchat and I, and I, I do, you know, video journal-esque uh annoying things from talking to the camera about stuff and i feel like what i why i do that is so i can it's kind of similar to what i wanted what i was doing with my blog or what i want to do on a podcast where it's like i want to be completely revealing mm-hmm. so other people can feel less alone or see themselves in me like that's my goal with it so i feel like there's some kind of goal to it no i think the i think there's something to that but and then if you're like completely, you know, I don't know, revealing of yourself, it, it's more universal. If you're really, really, really yeah. super duper specificity honest, is universal. Then it becomes universal. Yeah. So, so that's kind of like my hidden agenda with the thing, mm-hmm. and it makes me feel less alone because I'm like, oh, if I shine a light on my insecurities or whatever's going on in my head, then it's like I'm not living within something like this buried shame in me that I'm walking around with. So I feel like I have some, but uh, even now, and I'll be done with this rant in a moment. I've been talking to a bunch of like, teenagers. And I used to think, and I post a lot of selfies because mm-hmm. I'm a fucking monster, but I talk to these teenagers and they're posting selfies and video things. And they're like, they're like Instagram artists and like mm-hmm. video artists who like just dance in front of their, to Drake songs in front of their camera and are all like sexy, sexy girls doing their, doing their thing. And they're called like video artists or Instagram, yeah. whatever. And they don't see, and now I feel like with younger people, with the internet, it's morphed into like, it's not a cry for help if you post a selfie. It's not a cry for help if you post some video of you dancing to drake it's uh women kind of taking the control back like and uh sexualizing themselves in the way they want to be seen as opposed to like the male or whatever so now it's like this weird empower it's like shifted Mm -hmm. it's like this whole idea of like oh my god that girl only posts selfies and videos of herself what a monster she's so insecure now when i talk to 14 year olds or 17 year olds they're like 
no, we do it because we like ourselves and this is what we're... It's like it's a whole other thing. Things have morphed and yeah. they, they seem like they're even cooler and more... They aren't thinking so much about it. I'm yeah, sorry, I, I'm that's just my pro- and-, and that's my problem. I think I think too much about it. And so it's like I have this like paralysis of like... I don't want to post anything anymore because I just overthink it and like and that's literally the opposite I think of what makes a good you know somebody who's like good at social media or like you know whatever or at least popular and successful at it or the more kind of like open transparent people that are just like whatever I'm just posting constantly from wherever I'm at and yeah I just I don't know like as I get older I get increasingly comfortable uncomfortable with that and like well you're behind the scenes now too your life has transitioned from you're an actor and you have a lot of videos of yourself uh, you know act but now it seems like you're behind the scenes so why would you be yeah i've become less you? of i've become a more of a yeah a, a not on camera person and uh i don't know yeah i like i was at this like kind of fancy party the other night and i was thinking as the same thing as you with your doves thing where i was like oh, i should like I should, you know, Instagram this or put it on Snapchat. But then I was like, why? It's just to tell people I was here. And like, yeah. like and, then, and then and to me, it's like, in my mind, it's so transparent. Cause I know when people are doing that. Yeah. And I'm a, the part of me is a little me like, too. all right, we got it. Yeah. So it's just like, I don't know. I think about stuff like that. No, but it's good to be <laughs> thinking about it. it. No, it's good to be thinking about that. Because this whole weekend, I was very like, during this, and again, I'll talk about it again. It's just I, this experience at Cinefamily. I love Cinefamily. I don't mm-hmm. know if you like that place. Or I love it, go there. yeah. But I, I, I experienced this kind of magical weekend there, and I, I wasn't on Snapchat the entire weekend. I was so present, and I, and, uh, and it's because like I wanted to be present, and I, and I think it's such an important thing to like, and I did, and I thought it was would be rude to snap or disconnected, and that I wouldn't be getting the full experience. So uh, it is important to find the balance, and it's like mm-hmm. a lot of people don't, and I did see people, yeah, like. Snapchatting famous people because they want it. it's like yeah. yeah I'm here like I'm having a fun life and like curating their it's uh anyway you know mm-hmm. just uh, mm-hmm. pop culture fodder mm-hmm. real life fodder we're having right now yeah I want to talk about romance okay before how at midnight came to be um putting a pin on the internet stuff mm-hmm. who's this lady you married. She is a woman that I met uh, when I. I don't. I can't. I can't take this anymore. We're on a date. Okay, this All is framed right. as a date. <laughs> <This is laughs> You're so my boyfriend weird. right now. Oh my god, Alexi Black. Oh yeah, Alexi Black. Hashtag okay. Alexi Black. <laughs> um, I'm so cool. I got a text though. By the way, I know. I know my phone should have been off, but you want to cool? check it so bad? No, I don't. You know what? It's, you can look. No, take I don't. A peek. I know who texted me. It's the guy I went on a date with yesterday, right. and I feel pretty cool. And you don't want to know what he has to say. No, we could I'm analyze fine. it together on the air. No, but let me just say, actually, maybe I will read it out loud. Yeah. Um, we should analyze. That's actually a fun twist. When sure. you put a spin on it like that, um, <laughs> I might just do that in a moment. But uh, there's a thing on a Tesla where you mm-hmm. can put it in ludicrous mode. Have you ever seen this? I had never been in a Tesla. That's and a I was Spaceballs freaking... reference, right? I... Ludicrous, <laughs> ludicrous speed. He's also a rapper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I had never been in a Tesla, and I even said to my date, and I know I've already cut you off. It's not about you. It's just, this is an opportunity for me to talk about myself. No. <laughs> Bounce it off you. Ricochet's back on me. I'm a vessel for you. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I think we all are, and that's a metaphor for uh, the human condition and what we're all doing here. <laughs> in this cubbyhole, I mean, of above meltdown. But, um, okay. I had never been in a Tesla before. Mm-hmm. And when I got in, I, I even said out loud, I, I was like, Sh- shouldn't it be inst- I be, I should be Snapchatting this. Shouldn't I be Snapchatting this? And I didn't, but I had to say it, say that I, I felt inclined to do so. But then I didn't because, and I always ask permission. Mm-hmm. I think that's what people don't do enough. I ask permission to Snapchat. I'm like, is it okay if I Snapchat you? Do you mind if I do this? Because 
Are you kidding? He would have loved it. That's why he's paying, you know, $900 a month for a Tesla. Oh, God. He's leasing it? Is that what you're <laughs> saying? Know, he's How dare you think that my date is leasing his Tesla? I bet he well, bought you it outright. Think, you think he just bought it in cash? But maybe. He's got a payment, I'm sure. Oh, God. Why are you such a hater? You're married, okay? No, 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 I'm, I'm tethered not, to nothing, I'm not and I'm hating. looking for love. <laughs> um, so you met her where now? What's that? In New York, a uh, roof party in the Lower East Side. Oh. I was I was living in San Francisco still, and I was visiting, and a friend of mine had a party, and we were like, it was like three in the morning, and we were like the oh last God. two people at the party, and she asked me for a cigarette. Oh my God, does she still smoke? No, neither I hope of us not. Do. Oh, good, good for you guys. Yeah, this is our <laughs> early 20s. Uh, wow. And we went to get cigarettes together, and then ended up like kind of making out, and then we connected on MySpace. Oh! my god yes oh my goodness made it up into each other's top eight you did <laughs> and then now we have children that's how it happened myspace a place what? for friends a place for friends and lovers sometimes uh-huh. oh my goodness wait so what does she do is she creative she's a yeah she's a culinary producer so she does like food she used to work on like food network and cooking channel like she's the person that comes up with all the recipes and sort of what? shows the chefs how to do it and like actually cooks the food oh my god and now she does like those videos you see on facebook like for taste made where it's like overhead shot of like somebody making something crazy delicious in like 30 seconds um oh my goodness yeah so does she cook at home or is it like dating massage therapists they get home and like you yeah. never get a massage no she she likes to cook a lot we like we both like food a lot and that was hey, like you like food you, you guys love food, love food? Uh, i yeah. love food oh my god we are like Aristotle, you love food? there was like a word for that <laughs> like a way that yeah, we I could like word. i hate that word we could like express <laughs> who we are like our unique creative <laughs> tastes like how we're the only one who like appreciate good food oh my God. we should think of a word <laughs> you're sounding very casey jane ellison Sorry. to me do you like her i don't know who that is oh my god she's so funny i think she's in the family of like uh kate berlance like their best oh, friend she's I like kate, kate berlance yeah. protege where she's just like i'm she kind of channels to, oh my god then she talks like that and she wears yeah. intense makeup she's an artist she's a comedian did you see kate berlance no. characters episode no is it great it's so good but within it there's one little bit where she does like a character that's like a parody of youtubers like youtube stars yeah. is so funny it's one of the funniest things i've ever seen oh my god i've got to see it yeah i gotta get really more into kate berlant it's really good she's a genius i think um uh how did you woo your wife though how did you get her to marry you? i want the I mean, details myspace no <laughs> no i don't know we because uh, i still live in san francisco and then i moved back to new york <gasps> we started dating did you do long then... distance for a moment no 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 we were just like it okay. was very like we were just well, we'll stay connected and maybe something will happen. And then that very soon after that, I got the job at Best Week Ever, moved my life to New York. And then I think it was like really, it was amazing because like she kind of grew up, she grew up in like um, about an hour and a half north of the city in the Hudson Valley. And so a lot of her friends were in the city. And so she kind of really plugged me into like my social circle there. And you stayed connected and plugged stayed in. Connected You're and using plugged all this in. terminology. You connected. do love the internet. Listen to me, you and all your Networked. hand gestures. What you guys can't see are all of Alex Blagg's hand gestures. Yep. When he's talking, he does all these things. I'm doing Everything them now. I'm you saying, still can't see him. It's just the jerk off it's, motion. No, I'm like, oh, you're no. In. You have beautiful hands, though. You should know that. <laughs> if your you. wife doesn't tell you enough, she does every single day before we go to bed. She, we turn the light off. She's like, "Babe, you got beautiful hands." And you know how she knows because every morning you reach for your phone, you extend <laughs> your hand, you reach it. for the phone, and then you ignore. The morning her. <laughs> light hits it just as I'm opening my Instagram. You're very good on Twitter. Oh, thanks. All right, yeah. what do you think you're better at, Twitter or Instagram? I was thinking about this yesterday. Actually, boring. Is this getting bad? <laughs> no, 
I think I, I don't think I'm good at any of them, but I think I You're I good. think I like Twitter the most. You it's do? the one that I, I it's the one that like if you put a gun to my head oh and my was God, like pick one app for the rest happen. of your life. <laughs> It would be Twitter, probably, which is also crazy because Twitter is a giant pile of garbage. So, oh my god! Look know. at you still shit talking about stuff. It is. Can't believe it. Well, you thrive on it. You flourish. Oh, you're so good. I at always it. tell people that like a good way, if like you're my friend or somebody that hasn't seen me in a while, a good way to know where I'm at, like you know, psychologically and emotionally, yeah. is how much I'm tweeting. If I'm tweeting a lot and it's funny, yeah, that means I'm in a very dark place. Oh my god! I can't believe we're having this conversation. This is very important. Let's put a let's let's put, let's shine a spotlight on this. Let's zoom in. Let's zoom in, <laughs> but also zoom out though too a little bit, just so we can like see yeah, the whole yeah, picture. Yeah, yeah. You let's know? go to thirty thousand degrees <laughs> or thirty thousand. Are we getting it from your drone or my drone? Yeah, which Double drone? Drones. Are we getting this on our drones? Yeah, we have two drones. All right, cool. You got that Aristotle? Aristotle's playing Pokemon. Just he kidding. I know you're not. I know you're not. I would never. He's okay. making a jerking off hand gesture. <laughs> no, he's not. He does not do that. Um. Oh my god. Um. I was talking about another thing. This is interesting to be talking around and about the internet and all the social media things. I feel like if I'm posting a lot on Instagram, that's when I'm in a dark place. Uh. If I'm tweeting a lot, it's because I'm feeling like I'm either falling in love or I'm very excited and I'm like feeling really sharp and I have a lot of energy and I'm like walking around. So if I tweet a lot, it's because I'm happy. Yeah. Instagramming and Instagramming a lot of like maybe potentially like sexy pics, then I'm like in a low place and I want, I'm like, like, who's liking this? I need love. I need love. Oh God. So for me, it doesn't mean what it means to like 14 and 17 year old girls for embracing their sexuality and like making it a powerful thing or whatever. Um, And then Snapchat, that that's when I'm feeling great. That's when I'm like, hey, mm. you guys, like I want to be connected. And I'm feeling like, I love, you know, I want to, let's all tap, let's all just be here together. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so, but it's interesting, different aspects, different social media platforms that represent different moods yeah like for like me on snapchat when i'm on snapchat i feel old <laughs> you i feel do? yeah Why? i'm like i try oh, anytime i've tried to do anything where i'm like talking to the camera i just look at my face and i'm like you're fucking 36 years old now you're beautiful you you're are so handsome. you look like a 27 year old guy <laughs> no <laughs> I, I don't know i feel that way it feels okay dumb. okay but yeah, I don't know. I think they are a window. Like our again, it goes back to what I was saying before. Like all of our behaviors, the ways that we interact with each other online and through social media, it's all like a weird window into our souls and our brains. And you know, I think that, like you said, people do it for different reasons. And like to and me, the like the psychology change. behind it, yeah. yeah. But, but it's, it's like if you're if you spend enough time looking at that shit, you start to see you know what's going on behind the curtain or whatever yeah and it's like i don't know it, it weirds me out yeah sometimes i would like to i like to be transparent with my uh things where i'm like oh, i'm at this party because i need you guys to know that i'm at a thing mm-hmm. and uh i don't know i don't know where i'm going with this okay so you're on myspace uh-huh you're living your gosh darn life mm-hmm. you are uh and who are, wait oh god there's so many questions i'm all over the place i'm so caffeinated are you okay? Are you I'm great. are you already regretting this? No, this is, this no? is great. This is a love letter I love to you. Kasten. I just love it. You love what? Caston. Oh God! That's what I they call it, right? Kids? Oh God! No. He Aristotle laughing hard. He likes that one. Oh my God! He Caston oh. out onto the nets. <laughs> Fuck you! Oh my God! Oh my God! What was the first date? 
with you and you're there's another thing about to fall out of your mouth i see you're like no what? i was you're gonna, gonna answer your to, question okay what was the first date like and i like, remember it we went to planet thailand in williamsburg oh my god <laughs> it was this like ridiculous cavernous warehouse like modern thai place yeah that at that point in my life seemed fancy oh my god uh <gasps> and then we went to like you know a bunch of bars and like probably ended up at union pool and um, got real drunk. You, do you guys do do do? Uh, have you done mushrooms? Do you, have you done psychedelics? I have done. Together? I've done almost everything. But really, not, not I'm. I have not done um, drank or, or done real drugs in uh, eight years now. And so nothing for eight years. Yeah, I'm oh, eight God. years soberish. What does soberish mean? I still will will smoke pot here and there, but what that's kind of pot? usually just a uh, uh, I'll vape. I'm living that vape life. Living that vape life, are you? Uh, <laughs> uh, me and my boys are just living that vape life. Oh my uh, god, I'm really slapping myself <laughs> a lot today. I'm laughing. Oh my god. I finally found after like a little bit, I because I don't like a lot of pot. I don't like to get high and I don't like to feel like, you know, whatever, paranoid or anxious or anything. And I finally found, what do you like, what do you call it, strain or something of like the thing that works for me. Yeah. Where it's just like super mellow and chill and I don't feel like you know weird or out of my head or anything and i just kind of feel like relaxed and nice so i just do that i'll take like literally one hit of vape i think they call it micro dosing you're micro dosing on that I'm vape micro dosing <laughs> on that vape life <laughs> can we get an air horn oh my god aristotle <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. All yeah. Our, our whole courtship was just like stumbling around Williamsburg bars, drunk yeah. for two years. It was great. Um, how'd you propose? How did you know she was so one? Like, what about? Because you had been dating, right? You, mm -hmm. You're I mean, like, how how did you know she was? I don't. Your I wife? had a weird vision of it. What? I, like, it sounds strange, but I just had this like weird premonition where it was almost like I saw the future or something, and I just it just felt like the right thing. She was the one and the right thing to do. And um, we were on vacation in the Finger Lakes. The Finger Lakes? Yeah. You know, where we're going to put a ring on the finger. Do it in the Finger Lakes. Oh, I my, don't know. Where are the where, – where It's the... in uh, like way upstate New York okay. um, towards like Niagara Falls and all That's, that stuff. Yeah. And like uh, – yeah. we So we just like had rented this lake house and we were on a boat in the lake and I asked her then. Do you feel like – are you like old school? Did you uh, did you pay for all of her dates? Like do you hold the door? Did you like uh, – did no. you guys go back and forth? How does that, how does that, how does that work? A we, modern I think, twosome? Yeah, like we were pretty – I think we're pretty progressive where we were when we were dating. We, I got to ask. We, this we is for both, the people. We would both pay. I would pay. Did you pay first? Did you have I any old definitely, school? I think I paid first. I was like a little old school, I think, coming from the South and stuff. Oh, I and like that. Did she like that? I think women yeah, appreciate that. Yeah. She liked that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And But she was also, you know, she was like a women's studies major and like she was pretty, you know, a pretty modern gal and like, um, you know, what I don't mean? know. What does that mean? I don't know. Like, I think it was like kind of at that time too, it was like that sort of feminism where it's like, I don't know if she necessarily wanted me holding all her doors for her and treating her like a princess all the time. See, like, that's the thing. I, it's such a confusing thing for men now. Cause I yeah. feel like I'm, you know, I, I have a career. I pay for all my own shit, uh, in my life. Uh, but then in my, and I want equal pay for women. I want all this stuff, you know, I want it all to be equal with men and women. 
but in my romance, my courtship and mm-hmm. stuff like that, it's like I want to be made to feel like, uh, you know, like a princess or yeah. just like or feel uh, like uh, protected and safe and cozy. I don't know. I talked about this on Sophia Amoruso's podcast, mm. the Girl Boss Nasty Gal Girl. And it was like this, yeah. it's a weird thing where it's uh, I don't know. I also feel like we, we put ourselves together and do all this fucking shit and make the baby. I don't know. It's, yeah. like, it's like I want a man to uh, woo me a bit and then I'm more inclined to like buy him presents and pay and offer more if I just see him like put in a little bit of effort. Sure. We're getting our waxes. We're getting our hair done. Our nails did. Trying to look cute. Trying mm-hmm. to keep fit for you guys. Lingerie. Matching. All the fucking shit. If we make a baby with you, we're held up for nine months. Just uh, just pay for the first date. Maybe get flowers once yeah. or whatever. Hold, hold the gosh darn door, you know? Yeah. That's all. Yeah. That's just how I feel. So I'm glad you're like old school and we're totally. doing these things. I'm so old school. I'm like, babe, what do you want to watch tonight? Okay. You know? And it's like, sometimes <laughs> I let her hold the Apple TV remote. <laughs> if you can find it, because it's like tiny, you know, I was losing that thing. Oh my God. All right. So you get down on one knee or what do you do? I did. I got down on one knee. I played our song. What's your song? Um, oh my God. Again, it's embarrassing. I'll wait for this. Oh, it's I'm none of my business. So embarrassed, you don't need but... to share this. No, it's way. all right. I'll, I'll say it. It's a, it's called, it was, it's only our song because the night we met that night after that party and we had like gone back to her place and we were drunk and we it, were playing uh, records and the song came on and right. we kind of danced to it. You so did? it was did sort of like, a woman, yeah, we did. We were you like, did? yeah, we just kind of like. Weird. It was like a, one of those weird in the moment things. And then that kind of became our song. And so I played that on my iPad on the boat <laughs> that we were on. Uh, and it's called Sunken Treasure by Wilco. Oh, beautiful. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And then when proposed, she said yes. That ended up being the song that we, we played at our wedding, I think. We really? Did you get down on one knee? Yeah. You did? On a boat. On a boat? So it was like, you know. It was a little wobbly. You're romantic. Yeah, I'm a little romantic, I think. And I would like to know, do you think that your wife, before she was your wife, when you're holding the door and you're, and paying for the first thing, in your head when you're like, oh, she's a women's studies major or whatever, you're like confusing, when you're saying she's a feminist, was that more in your head? Did you ever talk to her about it? Cause no, we I talked feel, about it a little bit. Because I feel like men are so confused. They're like, oh, I think... She, I have a lot of guy friends who are like, I think I think this girl I'm dating might get mad at me if I do this because maybe it's disrespectful because she's a feminist. And I'm like, wait, I am a feminist. You're thinking too much to the point where it's like detrimental, where it's like you can still hold the door. For, like, yeah. It's a night, I like the blend. So I wonder if you were in your head about this or if your wife. Not too much. She was pretty was, chill about it. She wasn't like a militant feminist. I wasn't like, I don't think she would have gotten mad if I held the door or whatever, but it was like she never, I think she didn't put a premium on that. And so it's like yeah. the relationship went on. I think we kind of like settled into a pretty relaxed sort of, uh, you know, rapport with each other where it was like, you know, I would try to like any like in any relationship, try to find thoughtful, sweet things to do to, you know, show her that I loved and cared about her from time to time. And sometimes I'm better at that and sometimes I'm not still that still that to this day. But it's like that first kind of like courtship or whatever, you know, I I feel like we were more like, you know, it was like that kind of like early 2000s, like young Williamsburg thing. Yeah. And it was like more of just like we were we just like hung out. Oh, you know? yeah. And your f- best friends. And yeah, like we all like just like we just kind of went out to shows and bars and, you know, did stuff and and, and cooked like food was a very like, I think, kind of um, big part of our early romance or whatever because like i didn't i didn't realize i liked food so much until i met her really yeah i just had never thought about it i grew up in a house that was like you know like it wasn't i don't know just wasn't something that 
we just ate dinner like very kind of like you just have to eat dinner to, to survive yeah. and live. It wasn't like no one was like an Epicurean in my yeah. in my home. And, you know, I think she kind of like taught me a lot about cooking and food and I got really into that. And uh yeah, I don't know. Have you seen uh Master Chef Kids or Top Chef Kids? No, I've heard they're oh, good. My parents so always say like are like, You gotta watch Master Chef Kids. These kids are like eight years old, seven years old, and they are so talented and such like old so who are these kids? I can't yeah. believe it. They're just like gastro blah blah i don't even know what they're how they figured it out and they're yeah. so confident and it's yeah. like it's insane have you ever seen bugsy malone bugsy malone yeah it's like this movie about it's like a mafia movie but it stars scott Bayo and jodie foster that's there's so no fun. reason for me to tell you that. i feel like bugsy is a that's a warren Beatty yeah, movie. yeah but bugsy, bugsy malone is a different one is a it's a musical from maybe the 70s and wow. it's and jodie foster is 13 or 12 and scott Bayo. It's right around when she did Taxi Driver, and Scott Bayo is uh, like around the same age, and it's a mafia movie starring all kids, but they're all acting like adults, and Whoa. when they shoot each other with old-timey guns, like whipped cream comes out, and I don't know, there's no reason for me to be telling you about this right oh, now. That sounds fascinating. I have to find <laughs> I just it. Think I had to put it out there because when I watched Top Chef uh, Kids, all these kids, they were so adult, but they're so... They're children, and yeah. it reminded me of uh, Bugsy Malone because like one guy had like a New Jersey, real thick like New Jersey accent. It's, it was just shocking and hilarious. I, there's no real reason for any of that to have. So you're in San Francisco. You've already met the future uh, love of your life, Mrs. Blag, right? Yeah. Put a pin in that. You're in San Francisco. You get the opportunity, which is to move to New York mm-hmm. because the universe knew you had to be with this woman. What's her first name? Brianna. Brianna? Mm-hmm. Sexy, beautiful name. Shout out to Brianna. Shout out. <laughs> so how do you guys end up uh, moving to L.A.? Well, we got it happened like three months after we got married. We got married in 2008 and then I got a job out here. What was that job? It was uh, to run this site called Wonderwall. Wonderwall? Was, yeah. So I was like at that point in New York, I'd spent all that time. I was like running the best week ever website basically. So I was yeah. still blogging for them and yeah. then like um, – I got this job that basically to launch this new site for these like big shot producers out here, Lloyd Braun and Gail Berman and Oh, they, Berman Braun. Berman Braun, yeah. yeah. And I was like the like one of the early employees when they were first starting up and they they were launching the site and they kind of hired me to be the the editor in chief of it and then I did that and, you know, it was good. it became really successful, but it, it was much more it, – it turned into much more of just like a celebrity news site, which is not really what I wanted to do or what they kind of, you know – I think when we – what we talked about it being when they hired me was different than what it became just under the realities of like working with uh, MSN and a giant, you know, network like that. And so, yeah, I worked with them for a year. That moved me here and then I kind of spent one more – or actually less than a year, like six months after that, working for this site, Buzz Media, which is, I think, where I met you. Yeah, when, why did when we meet? Aviva was there. So you're she was really, working. are you still friends with her? Aviva, yeah. how do you say her last name? Yael. Okay, and then you knew her why? Just from New York? Yeah, just from New York and the internet and stuff. She, I don't from know. From the internet. Oh, and actually, no, at Berman Braun, I'd hired her briefly for to, to help out with Wonderwall. She, like, wrote some stuff for me. Okay. And then she got a job at that same company that I was working at. And, and but at that point, I was like, I knew, like, I don't want to be, like, I'd suddenly found myself in this, like, running, you know, editorial web site space or whatever and it just felt like i was like oh this is getting like off track from you know television and movies and writing and stuff and so i quit and then started um 
that web series I think you saw, it was like this project I did for a while called bajillionhits.biz. Yeah, tell me about so, And was that with Funny or Die? Or like, did you work at Funny or Die? No, I did. I did. I've done stuff with Funny or Die and Funny or Die are, are, uh, are partners on At Midnight, actually. Oh. But at the time, that was just like a thing I did that was like basically a, a kind of, I played this character who You're was sort so of funny. like an insane social media guru. You're basically. so hilarious. I watch oh, these videos. You. Bajillionaire.biz? Yeah, bajillionhits.biz. And then you go, there's one about like how to like, uh, really make the most out of going to South by Southwest networking. Yeah, yeah. What's that one called? Uh, how to be South by South best or oh something like God. that. Oh my God. You are so funny. It's so interesting to me. You're so talented. You're such a good actor. You're so hilarious. Uh, You're thanks. so funny. Oh, and you did that on. You did that Ryan Gosling uh, drive trailer spoof. Oh yeah. That I did with Funny or Die, right? But, and let me just say, what was the budget on that? Uh, $400 maybe. No. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. I was a really talented director, this guy, Matthew Michaud, that did a, a great job. Like I, I had the idea. I was like, I want to do this again for the audience. This is years ago. Please bear that in no, mind. No, you're amazing. Which, yeah, tell us. Well, because it's like the idea of doing a drive parody today is to me, it's like that's a waste so of time. Well, no, no, no. It's just like that would be such a weird hack thing to do. But <laughs> it, it was like as it was coming out and I just had this dumb idea of like what if Drive was like about this fat guy that just went through drive throughs and wanted to eat food. And I so I played that guy uh, but we, we modeled the whole piece like shot for shot on the actual Drive trailer. Yeah. And I found this director that was like really great at just like recreating the look and feel and staging and props and everything of the trailer. And so it, it ended up coming out really great where it was like you know, it looked like the real thing, except with this big ridiculous twist that I was like a fat guy that like was in a silver McDonald's jacket and just, you know. He didn't look fat to me. Oh, thanks. Um, But I and I at one point I was like, I believe that then he it was Ryan failure. Gosling. It was a creative failure. Oh, whatever. Like, fat. I was supposed to <laughs> look fat. Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> but at one point I was like. I, I truly believe he's uh, he's Ryan Gosling. Wait, do you need a snack? By the way, am I losing you to low blood no, sugar? No, 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 I'm good. Okay. Um. Oh man, because we were just getting started. Yeah. Welcome <laughs> no. to Act One of the Alexi Black Podcast. I just hit my head on the microphone. Oh God. So, okay. Um. No, because it, it looked like it was like a hundred thousand dollar or over. Like it was looked like a four million dollar thing you did. Uh. I couldn't believe it. Four hundred dollars, though, for the maybe. For the spoof? I mean, we, yeah, it was the just, production quality. Yeah, it was. That was all. That was all Matthew, and like he was just. We had a bunch of friends help out, and it was like we did it. It was actually really fun. We did it over like three days, and yeah, yeah. So it was, okay, so you're working. At, where are we going with this? So you're working with. I mean, I'm the host. How will that get us here? But uh, I, yeah, so I quit my job, decided to start this web series thing, and that ended up becoming kind of this thing that like all of a sudden I got a lot of press, and like I was. You know, I would get asked to go to like conferences like South by Southwest and and you know festivals and and uh, would do these like weird corporate speaking things. You where they would, did, like, yeah, like this court. Like, what was it? The uh, the Viceroy Hotel Group like hired me to come into like this offsite thing they were doing with like all their top executives, and like it's in the middle of like this you know two day long series of like serious meetings about marketing <laughs> and you know demographics and agenda and blah blah blah. And then I come in and I basically do this like fifteen minute presentation and slideshow of like made up internet stats where I'm just like literally just like spewing nonsense at them and I don't think anyone told them like these executives that it was like are you serious like, gonna be a joke oh my god so for the first five minutes they're just like what the fuck is happening those were real people I didn't I see this video online and you're I like, think we have it up there somewhere yeah and you're, you have a t-shirt that's like says just did it yeah that might be right <laughs> Unbel- and then you're like what were some of the catchphrases to like uh 
I don't know. I would say remember? that I had like read the whole internet five times and that like, I just, I can't, this is <laughs> five years ago. It's like five years ago, but it would be like, yeah, I, I would just make up stats about like, you know, LinkedIn, and like yeah. whatever. Uh, and, and yeah, so I spent like a year and a half kind of doing that just sort of for fun. But then it like started becoming kind of this weird sort of side career. And at that time also, it's like when I started my production company with, my partners John uh, Zimlis and Jason Nadler, and we were like, "Oh, let's make, let's try to make shows." And that's like what I was telling you before. I was like, "I need kind of something to do while I'm working on scripts and working on, you know, trying to get staffing jobs and stuff." And so we started this production company. Had the idea for At Midnight just based on like I was like a you know I'm kind of a Twitter nerd and I would play those hashtag games. And so I had written down this idea of like, oh. A, you know, a show about comedians competing with in hashtag games. Yeah. And so then my partners and I kind of took that and sort of came up with a format together for like what the show, like how it would actually work. It's a game show. Pitch it to Funny or Die. They liked it. They brought um, Tom Lennon and Ben Garant from the state and Reno 911 and all that stuff um, on as uh, producers. And then we brought it to Comedy Central. They liked it. So we shot a pilot called Twitter Dome. Um, it was sort of like our show except a little bit more campy and more twitter focused and uh it was really great tom hosted it but was also busy with a bunch of his own stuff so tom, he lennon? tom lennon yeah. yeah so he couldn't host it in series so we needed a host and at the same time um chris hardwick had done his own pilot for comedy central called hardwired that was like a little bit more about like nerd culture and like you know uh, video games and stuff like that and i think the network felt like they didn't love that pilot but they loved him so, you know, they had a host with no show and they had a show with no host. So they kind of put us together. Oh, wow. And that became At Midnight. And uh, and then we went on the air, you know, later that year. And yeah, we're going into our fourth season now. And that is your main job, right? I mean, that's the thing that was like the most probably like legitimizing um, thing for my my producing career you know it was like where like me and these guys were kind of like yeah it's like we're you know overnight literally your ideas get better where you're you're you know working on all these other projects and ideas and no one you know no one really takes you very seriously and then once you have a show on the air and then it it becomes successful you know and then all of a sudden those ideas become more viable is that irritating it's yeah yeah, it's it's irritating in the way that it's just so transparently hollywood where it's just like it's all about like perception and heat and you know it's not really about the content of what you're doing or pitching yeah. or whatever. It's just like, do you seem like somebody who's successful? <laughs> yeah, and it's all fear based too. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, so uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Oh, God, it's interesting. I, yeah, I remember uh, I made a bunch of shorts, and my DP was and co-director was or was this guy David Lowry, who's gone on to like write and direct like Pete's Dragon and all these mm. kind of now he's successful, and now. It's I, I have been talking about him years ago, being like, this guy, he's so talented. Oh, my God, can I, I want to develop a thing with this guy, David Lowry, David Lowry. Everybody's like, eh, no, and they kind of look at things he'd made. And then he made this movie called Ain't Them Body Saints with, like, Rooney Mara. Oh, yeah, Foster. I saw that. And then all of a sudden everybody was like, oh, what are you doing with David? And it's like, you know, and of course, I just thought that was that was very transparent. And I said that to my manager, and he was like, yeah, welcome to showbiz. Yeah. Okay, and I was like, yeah, but yeah. I've been championing this, championing this guy for years. He's always been a talent. He's always been a secret treasure that nobody would pay attention to. And then he made the one thing. Yeah. But there you go. Yes, that makes sense. Yeah. It's just uh, it's a, it, It's whatever. It is yeah. what it is. Like, you, it's that's not That's when even... you listen to Ram Dass. That's just what it is. And yeah. that's fine. And then you go, okay, yeah. this is how it is. But uh, what do you? What are the daily challenges with with uh, like uh, as far as like at midnight goes? Is it uh, trying to find guests all the time that are to we have keep a, it we have fresh? a great booker that does that. He handles most of it. This guy Bart Coleman. I mean, oh yeah, I spend, Bart Coleman. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
He's great. That's yeah. a nice guy. He's so tall. Really nice guy. Tall. Super chill vibe. Got a good vibe. Listens yeah. to a lot of fish. Very chill guy. Yeah. I, that's uh, another example of a person I just like being near. Just yeah. his presence yeah, yeah, yeah. makes you feel good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he has that warmth. That. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the first two years on the show, I was very like hands on day in, day out. I was a head writer for a while and oh, like, wow. uh, you know, just kind of really working to like figure out the games and the processes and how the show worked and like ma- how to make it better and, you know, kind of get it to where it is. Because like, a daily show becomes sort of like a machine where you do it, you know, you're doing four shows a week. So you kind of everybody just like knows what they're doing. And so once that that kind of happened and we have a great showrunner, this guy, Jack Martin, that you know, really handles that stuff. And, you know, at a certain point, we were finally able as producers to start focusing more on developing new projects and trying to get new stuff going. And so at this point in time, I mean, I I am involved in the show in as much as like, I go to these kind of like, you know, big picture creative brainstorming meetings and game meetings and like kind of help sort of pitch like, you know, bigger stuff, but I try to stay out of the way of the the day to day at yeah. this point because I just feel like it's like everyone knows what they're doing, and you know. At what point in pitching shows did the word hook get so heavily involved? Where it's like, yes, you or it seems like you can't. I just feel like what I notice is you can't just pitch like a very like straightforward like it's a show about people. Like what, fr- mm. like if you try to pitch Friends now, you could never do that because you have to be like, but what's the hook? Yeah, I think it's when you're young and unproven, you have to have a hook. Yeah. But when you're like, you know, Tina Fey, you can go, I just want to like do a show about Oh, yeah, my or like Louis C.K. Louis C.K. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's going to be about this guy I know. And they're like, great, let's yeah, do it. Yeah, sounds amazing. Yeah. And then, so it's ah. like when you're young and it's like they don't know who the fuck you are, like you're not like a known quantity and they can't put a sign of value to you. Yeah. You have to have an idea that is so, that seems so valuable. Yeah. That it's like, well, this is just a fucking great idea. And like they can easily sell it to their bosses because that's what happens. You go pitch somebody and, and then they go and then they have to pitch your pitch to their boss. That's kind of terrifying. What if they horrifying. fuck it up? That is horrifying. That's why, it's, it's important to know, though, because it like I think it will influence and it should impact like how you pitch it to them. Like if you're not being super clear about what the show is and who the characters are and what's happening and what, you know, they're never going to be able to like communicate that to their boss and you're it's never going to get bought. And yeah. it's like that's been I mean, for me, like as a writer, like being also a producer, it's like. I feel like I've learned so much about the like realities of the business part of this that it's I think it's helped me and it's like saved me from you know it's just helped I think it's helped my writing process just knowing what it feels like to be on the other end of the table and to be mm. pitched to yeah because you're like you know I know what's confusing I know when somebody's not getting their idea across and that's really at the end of the day what your job is as a writer is to be able to take the vision that's in your head of whatever is like great and special about something that makes you excited to to make it and then be able to communicate it and put it into somebody else's head with words you know yeah and if you're not doing that it's your fault you know so Aristotle and I decided to pitch a show where we're going across country doing the Love Alexi podcast but doing a cross-country trip what's the hook Go. I mean, you're doing it naked. VH1. VH1. (laughs) Now our naked hour, dating naked and then podcasting naked. What happens when two people stuck in a booth above a comic book store decide to take their clothes off and talk to people on microphones? There we go. (laughs) We did it. that show though What's, what does it <laughs> mean when terrible. i wouldn't watch my own show a horrible show <laughs> oh when you don't want to watch your own show that you were lucky <laughs> enough to sell and get made <laughs> but it had a hook oh god <laughs> oh 
my god! Uh, do you listen to podcasts? Uh, some I, less now, but I've I've, I've gotten more. Well, yeah. I've done. I've I've really tried to listen to more uh, 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 books on tape, and also it's just like yeah. how many times can I hear you know the life story of ex comedian or whatever before oh, I'm just like yeah. I got it. Okay. <laughs> uh, oh my god! I mean, I say that as like I've done this. What I'm doing right now, probably two or three times. You have so where? 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 I, just other random podcasts I've been on over the years. I've like t- I've touched. I'm not not totally this. I mean, believe me, this is special. This is what we have is special. How dare you? It's yeah. unique. Yeah. But there are. I'm sure there are things that I've said over the course of this conversation that have probably been casted before (laughs) well uh nobody's gonna ask you this knowing what you know of me which is uh nearly nothing Mm -hmm. or do you have a sense of me do you think kind of i would say i have a vague sense of you okay okay using that cool vague sense yeah who do you think who's my future husband describe what you think i need which is even more interesting since you really don't know me very well and you just have this like this girl squeals a lot and asks a lot of questions and says oh my god likes to talk to people and uh I think you, I see you with like a smart, soulful business person. A smart, soulful business person? Yeah, like a business person that has a lot more going on inside than he looks like. Okay. That's kind of what I sort of would envision for you is somebody who's, I would say, like nurturing, supportive, um, but can have like deeper, smarter conversations and has like an emotional depth, but also doesn't necessarily need to express it. Why do you say this? I just think that you have like a very, you probably have like a, an externally dominant personality. And, you know, I think the ideal relationship would be with somebody that wants to um, support and nurture that as opposed to try to like overwhelm it or uh compete you know yeah what you can't see is that i'm looking at alex so intensely i'm just like who's like <laughs> like nodding so so do you think i so not to date i try not to date performers or comedians yeah i don't anymore. think you should date a performer Why is that? but then i just I did, think it's yeah. too you're because you're a performer and, and then I, think, I feel like i have to stifle myself and i'm yeah around. exactly it's, and it's like really? you shouldn't have to do that you should be able to live your truest freest self and then have somebody that's like you know that that waters it. You know, like if so, you were a beautiful plant, that I need they, to be watered. I'm beautiful. Yeah. I am a beautiful plant. Yeah. So I can't be stifled. So is there any way to date another performer and not be stifled? Do you think or impossible? I think I personally am very skeptical of relationships with two performers. I know it happens a lot, but I mean, honestly, if you look at the numbers, it's probably statistically not a great call. Yeah. You know, like it's there's for every what like Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell, there's like a thousand failed uh, relationships of celebrities or performers. I mean, just I think it's such a weird and unique life experience that um, uh, I don't know that two people can necessarily navigate it together. I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm just yeah. saying that like they you can look date at it, though, right? Yeah, they, they can, can date, date and like uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think on one level it's probably you know because it's so weird and unique. It's nice to have someone that gets it and understands yeah. it. But I think for, in terms, if you're looking at it for like long term. Um, success, it's probably more of like a, uh, you want more of a yin-yang thing going on. Yin-yang. Yin yin-yang. <laughs> yin yeah. I say yin-yang. It is yin-yang because that's what it is. That is what yin it yin is. <laughs> oh, man. Let me just make sure I got to go over. Oh, yeah. So what are you learning from the Ram Dass stuff? 
Like, I what just are the like major... listening to that guy talk? Like, he does these, like, he's, so, he's, so, he's like kind of this, like, funny hippie, and he just, like, everything, he just, like, tosses off these little bon mots of, like, deep wisdom or whatever, yeah. and, like, you know, I don't even know that there's necessarily a certain thing that I learn. I just like driving around. It's, like, it, I feel like the stresses of my day or whatever I'm thinking about, you know, swirling through my head, it kind of just, like, it grounds you and you yeah. kind of realize like, okay, that there are these like bigger, deeper elemental things that you can connect to that have nothing to do with like the sort of stupid problems that you're yeah. getting bogged down in on a day to day basis. Um, I just like his, I like his vibe. I don't know. I like, his vibe I like too. what he's, I like what he's out there saying. Spewing. Spewing. I'm into yeah. it too. It's like, he's got a, you know, it's like that Bart, uh, Bart Coleman vibe, you know? Yeah. That's his name, right? I wish he had a podcast. He needs one. Well, we got Pete Holmes, who's kind of the Ram Dass light podcast. Well, yeah, I feel like I just keep listening to like Rom, uh, the episode where, uh, Pete Holmes talks to Gary Shandling. Yeah, that's Have you a heard great that one? one? It's great. I listened to that. I said it before, yeah. I'll say it again. I listened to that episode like gospel because that yeah. grounds me. Because my God, yeah, yeah. Gary. Gary I, 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 if I mean, I wish he were still alive, oh, and if, if he were, I wish that he would just like be my personal guru. Yeah, like, that guy just like yeah, he, he has such a like deep sort of peace that you can just sense. It just like radiates off of him, and it's like oh, it's tell, very attractive. Tell me this. Uh, I think I've by the way I've, I've decided he is my personal guru, so I'm just that's why I just listen to the Pete Holmes uh, podcast mm-hmm. with Gary Shandling as much mm-hmm. as possible, so he lives on in my earbuds sure. like on long walks around the city. But uh, if I could meet a performer who is like Gary Shandling with that kind of mentality, that seems like a special Maybe, but treat. That's the odd thing is that Gary was so unlucky one. in love too. Like he just he never, was. Yeah, I mean, he never. It feels like that was this thing in his life that was like for all of his success and peace and and just like wisdom and everything that like for whatever reason it uh, like that part of it never fully clicked for him like it seemed like even in that podcast it seemed like he was still, like oh, still yeah. looking you know and i always found that I, I i thought that was like a little sad yeah i think that's when all your stuff comes up to in relationship all like uh, i feel like when i'm alone part of me that doesn't want to date because uh how did you know i don't want to date oh because i said that to my last mm-hmm. podcast guest. yeah you said it on the podcast um I feel like it's so much easier just to not date. Mm-hmm. So I can go to therapy. I can be a good person in my personal life and seem healthy. But all the all the childhood shit and all the all, whatever's fucked up within me only comes to the surface in relationships because then I'm reflected in somebody else's eyes. Sure. And then I have to deal with it. Sometimes it's just exhausting. Yeah. So you're like, check, please. Well, yeah. <laughs> that is check. exhausting. Check. I'm making the universal check sign. <laughs> that is exactly what I'm like. Um, yeah. I actually was thinking about how. Oh, so you're healthy in your relationship. What do you guys fight about? Like, what is your wife complaining? I mean, none of my business again. No, I mean, it's. Did it's you just pretty... look at my boobs? No. Why not? What's wrong with me? That's what we fight about. Okay. I just can't stop looking at women's breasts <laughs> on podcasts. I'm in the safe What's podcast. What's wrong with me? <laughs> yeah. It is cold in here. I will say no. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, keep going. Uh, yeah, we fight about the normal, like boring, cliche married people with kids stuff. You know, kids, money, who's doing more, mm-hmm. um, that stuff. But it's all you know. I feel like that with the comfort of those kinds of fights is you're like this is like. There should almost be like a script to this, yeah. That we can just follow. That's, that's your scripted series. So, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like uh, something I struggle with. I feel like if I, uh, as a woman, should I or what? I don't know why. I don't. I'm thinking, oh God. Okay. 
I feel like if I date somebody much more successful than me, I feel competitive or I feel like I have to be exactly as successful as the person I date. Is that a bad thing to think or is that wrong, do you think? I mean, it's probably not super healthy to like compare your whatever personal like or professional success, bring that into your dating thing, to your romance. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe that's just about not feeling enough or being insecure. Yeah. Like I think you have to feel like that person's lucky to have you for yeah. because of all of the parts of you, not just like whatever you're doing professionally, but for who you are as a person and you know what you look like and all those, yeah. what's important, <laughs> what we look like. <laughs> oh my God. Oh man. Um, well, listen, I'm going to say a few more things that I'm noticing and ask your thoughts on them. Okay. But uh, I notice that when I'm single mm-hmm. and something bad happens in my life or something irritating or whatever, if I'm stressed out, I will think about it, deal with it, and it's gone. And I just deal with it. I internalize it. It's over. When I'm in a relationship, all of a sudden, uh, could you keep it down, Aristotle? We're trying to do a podcast over here. <laughs> I'm so, we, uh, we need some oil for that squeaky chair. Okay. I notice that when I'm in a relationship and something happens in my life, all of a sudden I feel the need to like express it to my partner and then i have a weird expectation of what he's supposed to say in order to make it better and then mm. and then it turns into like a much bigger to do than if i just handled it by myself if i were if you just single. pushed it down if i or not push it down but like about it. forgot about <laughs> it or just like let it go which i would do in my single life so yeah. and, but instead of it's a in a partnership it's like uh, everything is overly communicated with my partner and then all of a sudden yeah. he has a say or he's supposed to make me feel better and it's like i wish i could bring in my single self attitude where it's just, everything's more simple. I let things go. I feel tethered to nothing. I'm lighter. I wish I could bring that kind of mentality into, uh, you know, when I'm dating someone. Yeah. But I don't think you can. It's like the, it's like a chemical reaction that happens that it changes the, you know, it changes the elemental makeup of you and who you are when you're now in a relationship with somebody. So it's like, I mean, it'd be cool. I mean, it's, I think it's a good thing to aspire towards to try to, have that kind of lightness, you know? Yeah. But I think it's, you know, easier said than done probably. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I haven't been single in so long. I don't even know what it's, so long. what it's like. And you never go on Tinder or anything, right? No. It wasn't even invented yet. I missed all of that stuff. I mean, there wasn't even happy? really Facebook when I started. Oh, my God. Are you happy about missing all that stuff? Does it seem more confusing? I mean, no, I, I think I am. There's always definitely a curiosity of like only just like in a almost like anthropological sense of like what was that like yeah. you know i feel like i missed all those experiences but i think at the end of the day just from the conversations i've had with my friends and what i've seen of it yeah i don't feel like i'm missing too much have you seen raya uh yeah yeah okay. we did a little segment about raya on dan's pilot you and, did yeah it's very funny. oh yeah wait a minute not the one i want to see think... my i want to see the where i am i in no, the pilot you're, you're in the pilot but you're we did two segments you're yeah. in the other segment the, the segment that you weren't in was the raya segment oh my god like, how can i see this pilot tell me we'll send it to you it okay. was dan's it turned out great by the way uh it was dan's friend who was like trying to, it was like trying to get him on to raya was like sort of the bit that yeah. we did and like doing this like social media makeover of this like loser's life to make him like raya ready or whatever raya ready yeah it was it was funny what are your what would you be if you were single would you be on a dating app like that or do you think it's disgusting what do you i don't know i feel like on it i i feel like i probably i would probably try it just to see what it is you know yeah um but i don't know if that's like the first thing i would run towards yeah yeah i I have a love-hate relationship i'm off and on it and it's like weird i'll jump back it's like the gamification of these things where it's like yeah oh my god i want like it's like so weird and like dopamine yeah these people i would also probably just like i don't know if i'd be able to handle it i would probably just be like either 
I would either feel terrible about myself or just be like a huge whore. Yeah. And just like. Well, we know what I've chosen. Just kidding. (laughs) I'm not on it. I'm not dating. But yeah. Um, Yeah, it's weird. Sorry. Going back to this. This is about me reflecting my life and getting your opinion on it for a moment. But uh, I also feel, going back to dating performers, aren't those people being so loud? Just me? I'm hyper. I'm so caffeinated. I, I'm a woman feeling my feelings. I'm like day four into my period. None of your gosh darn business. Um, that was another thing that I was stressed out about on my date yesterday at the isolation tank, like float in the float tank. Did you do a, an hour? I did an hour, but the guy I went on a, essentially was a first or second date with this guy that I That's met on a Raya. Bold first date. No, it was a second date. First date was an it was a, an hour long coffee at the Grove, which and I love the Grove. So That's yeah. fine with me. Second date. This guy is so sweet. Second date was. Picking me up at therapy. I Ubered to therapy. Picks me up in his Tesla. That's really not a big deal. I just, I'm making a big deal out of it because I'm like, I can't believe he drives a Tesla. Because like, that's crazy. I don't take it for granted. I think that's a wild thing. I don't know. To me, it's like, anyway, whatever. Um, and then we we, uh, we did the flotation thing, the sensory deprivation tank. But I was spinning out because I had just, can you handle me talking about my period for a moment? Sure. I had, uh, I had just gotten my period. And in therapy, I was spiraling, being like, he's going to pick me up. We're going to go to a sensory deprivation tank. What if I bleed? What if I bleed in the <laughs> tank? What have I done? I'm so stressed out. I just wanted to enjoy myself. And my therapist was like, listen, take your power back. You're giving your power away. You're fine. Just tell him you got your period. And I, went, oh. I was like, I don't want to have to tell this guy. You know, on the second day that I have my period, can you understand? And I'm like getting mad, mad at my ther- par- therapist. Like, can you understand why it's embarrassing and I feel a bit self-conscious to tell this guy I don't really know that I have my period? And then uh, – but I did. But I also, under- what does it say? Like, what kind of date involves total sensory deprivation? <laughs> I know. It's like, called, I love- like what, what do you, what does that mean when you were like, what, I, I want to go with you for an hour and not see, hear, or feel anything? No, I'll tell you. Listen, because we were, our first date, we started talking about like, I don't know, we were talking about like DMT and uh, consciousness and blah, blah. And he goes, well, I'm going go to do a sub- go to a sensory deprivation tank. And I went, oh, those sound so fascinating. I've read about those. I've, you know this i've been wanting to try one he goes well you know let's go together so we got he picked me up opportunity opportunity to chat we got a little was this we, joe rogan no i know i was gonna <laughs> say i was gonna did say did you go on a date with joe rogan i was gonna say he's married so we shouldn't talk we should uh, aristotle let's bleep that just kidding <laughs> no yes yeah, so i actually was saying it was very joe rogany of us to be doing that but uh we got a bite to eat i know tesla uh whatever <laughs> anyway uh psychotropics but um yeah okay i mean when i hear smoke dmt and go to a deprivation tank listen. i think joe rogan so you do listen to podcasts no, I yeah, sometimes. <laughs> um, we got a, a light. We well, well <laughs> we got a we had a light snack. Then we went to the sensory. I did call attention to that. That is ridiculous. It's like this a separate togetherness. Like Woody Allen singing Mia Farrow across like the whatever. Uh, I don't know where I was going with that, but uh, but then we had dinner after it at mm. uh, at a, at, at Jelena. Power oh, right, move, right? right yeah. Power date. Again, I had to do it. And then you have tea after the sensory deprivation yeah. thing. You talk about what you uh, felt and noticed. Yeah, they have those weird little books for you to like write your experience in. What? Have you seen those? Maybe in Pasadena they didn't yeah. do that. I didn't get one of those. The Pasadena one, I got to say, Just Float is very Just nice. Just Float. Yeah, it's a newer one. Oh, my God. It's super clean. Oh, my God. super nice. Maybe, I maybe we'll I would never go there with another person because Well, we didn't get in the tank together. Okay, good. But that I sort had... of ruins the... The whole, the whole experience. Point, yeah. yeah, I did ear earbuds mm-hmm. or no yeah, ear, I do, I do the ear earplugs. Yeah. No lights, no meditation. I yeah. was just like, and my brain never stopped. Yeah, it was really? inc- it was crazy. I found that when I did the counting backwards thing, that that got me into like a 
a pretty like weird sort of like it felt like I was just floating in the middle of the galaxy. It did. Yeah. Yeah. I just kept thinking about things that I felt like I needed to tell the guy that I was on a date with. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like I really need to get him to, I really need for him to know me. I should tell him how much I love Halloween. That was yeah. like one of, I was like, why do I feel compelled to like tell, oh, see, now Aristotle's closing the door at tail end. We got 13 minutes He's tops handling it. handling it. He's 24 years old. He doesn't know how handsome he is either. That's how I like it. Aristotle's walking back into the studio. Great job, Aristotle. Great job. It's like, now it's so quiet. It's like we're both in an isolation. We're all three of us are in an isolation tank. Listen, I'm going to land this plane at some point, I promise. You're not going anywhere, Alexi Black. I don't ever want it to land. Whoever you are. <laughs> don't ever land this soul plane. Um, but I told my date, was my point was that uh, I, after therapy, because my therapist told me to do this, he's like, just tell him it's okay. It gives you an opportunity to see how he'll react. What is he going to do? Like, let you out of the car and be like, I don't I want nothing to do with you. Tell him you're having your period and you're, you're, you're freaking out about it. Because I just had this fear I was going to bleed in the tank. Well, he wouldn't have ever seen your tank. It would've, that would have been more between you and the and float the people. <laughs> I know, looking back after the thing, and I did not bleed in the tank, thank you very much, but also they do a filtration thing. Who knows what yeah. people do in those tanks? I wonder if people jerk off in the tanks. I hope not. I bet they do. They probably do. Not in, pa- <laughs> not in Pasadena, though. <laughs> Nobody would do that in Pasadena. Anyway. Oh, yeah, but I felt, uh, listen, I will stop talking about this in a moment, but probably actually never. Um, I <laughs> I felt, like, embarrassed. Like, I... I I feel embarrassed to share what I'm up to with this person or with if I because uh, they're a performer. I feel embarrassed to do that because I feel like, oh, he's a performer. Oh, Tesla guy's a performer? Yeah. That's oh. all. That's all. That's all. That's all we're saying. But I'm just saying, like, I feel like it has to. Let's solve this mystery. No, 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 no. <laughs> but I also, I just felt like, I felt like, I want, here's what I'm asking of you, Alex. Uh-huh. This is what I'm asking of you. How do I get out of my own way? And because I feel like I, if I'm going to. I can only be my... Is it Stop it, stop it, stop okay. it. <laughs> okay. I, just, I had to take at least one shot. <laughs> the fact that you are not doing stand-up or performing more often is such a fucking detriment to society. Uh, it's so sad for all of us because you're so hilarious. Um, help me through this. Yeah. I don't want to feel this way, but I feel like I have to be completely alone and not date anybody in order to be my complete self and feel like I can th- I can do whatever I want. I can make my you know weird video Snapchats. I can make myself. I can feel proud of me. I can be in my own life. But the minute I'm with somebody, I feel like oh I have to. I, they have to like it too. Or I feel mm, like yeah, of course. And I, I don't want to feel that way. So give me some advice. I mean, that's, my new big that's, brother. That's truly the great uh, challenge I think of relationships and marriage. I still feel that where like I my wife used to, before the the kids are born my wife would travel a lot for like ex- extended periods of time she'd be gone for two or three weeks on these shoots and yeah. i would spend that time just like in solitude you know just like doing whatever i wanted to do or watching whatever i wanted to watch and just like kind of living at my whims and i do miss that i think it's like there is an important part of you know life that like you have to like retain that sense of just like who you are with just you mm-hmm. you know and I think that the more that you get into a, you know, the more committed of a relationship that you're in, if you, you know, go from being, you know, dating someone to being married. And then I think having kids is like the final threshold where it's like, that's where you're truly just like giving up your, your sense of like self in a way. I mean, obviously I'm still me and like, there's still that, that's still a part of you, but all those things that like, you know, that you kind of do in privacy and like you just the time to have alone to where you can you know, kind of indulge whatever whims you have, like, it just goes away. And I don't, I don't know. It's like you just, it's always just like kind of 
a balance of like, oh, okay, well, I missed that, but like maybe this other stuff is worth it. And I think mm-hmm. you have to be trying to be aware of like, is this relationship that you're in worth whatever you're sacrificing of yourself to be in it? You know, my question is, why do I even feel because what my internal struggle is all of a sudden, if I am aligned with somebody and I'm dating them, I need them to. I need to prove myself to them. I need them to back what I do. Uh, I need them to, you know, have an appreciation and an understanding of me. And and it just feels like, but I do that to myself. That has but nothing that to do with the other person. Is that normal? It doesn't sound unrealistic. Unreal- or, you know, like, but like then I get shy and I get like, oh, what if they don't react the right way? Or I'm too scared to show them the thing, but then now they don't have a full understanding of me. And why, did, why do I need their approval? And then it's just, it just, and then if you're just alone, you don't have to deal with any of that. <laughs> And, and and if if that person that person just exists in the world and they're not there's no label of boyfriend or dating, mm-hmm. then I feel feel free to be me and then they're, they're them. But the minute there's like dating is involved, yeah. I make them so important and like I have to be seen and understood and and uh, you know celebrated or appreciated and and pr- prove myself. And it's just I do this to myself and it's exhausting. And I just want your thoughts on that and tell me how I should. Uh, frame all this and if i should cut it out or what your thoughts are because i I feel like other people do that too yeah no i think everybody wants approval from either the people that they're dating or who like what or just people they respect or whatever i think you know trying to like assess your own value and self-worth based on what other people give back to you you know is is probably not good like dangerous yeah yeah, like you're just i just think it's going to be ultimately unfulfilling because like you're never going to get exactly what you want from them and so you have to be able to like give yourself that thing that you want um and then what they give you hopefully is something that you like and that you're that that, like is like icing you know on the cake where you're like this this is nice i like this this what i'm getting back from this person but like if what they're if they're sort of the the standard by which you're judging yourself, like it just seems like you're you're kind of destined for uh, disappointment. Yeah, I'm just trying. I guess I'm trying to strike the balance. Of whoever I end up with, where it's like not so black and white for me, where it's like alone equals a great life, togetherness equals uh, discomfort, needing approval, and uh, sacrificing. And uh, uh, I don't know. And so I I don't I want to I want to be able to find a balance and 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 not be like. I need to protect myself and, and uh, I need to be alone. It's not one yeah. or the other. I, I also think that time sense. is the great like balancer of things. Where oh, like, in a relationship of everything, where like you just naturally once you start to be more in tune with like your own p- kind of emotional and psychological patterns of like you just you know you have good days and you have bad days and like the key is like on a bad day is realizing that you'll have a good day again and then you know it all sort of like on a long enough timeline starts to balance out and i think once you're like more aware of that and feel that then you're you don't panic as much in those bad days or maybe you have a bad week you know and it's like i think that's where you get into trouble is if you're like you know you get lost in that bad week and you start to think like holy shit my this everything i'm doing is wrong this person is wrong like I'm wrong, like whatever, and then you make bad choices based on that kind of like illusion of whatever failure that you're feeling or, you know, whatever it is. And I think it's just like it's important to try to like, you know, remember that just everything is cyclical and like, you know, it swings back the other way. Yeah. Would you let your kids go into show business? Um, I wouldn't stop them. I don't necessarily, it's not necessarily what I want for them. Knowing what you know. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's like, uh, yeah, like I, 
I could I always feel like if I weren't in show business, like I would be a chef. Like oh I would God. go back. Oh, and interesting. Like, uh, yeah. Like that's why I think what's, what's so cool. My wife does is like I I did. I think food is like such an interesting sort of creative art that like I my if I could just like have my kids be any if I could pick their careers for them, they would yeah. like be chefs and open a restaurant together or something yeah. you know obviously that sounds great yeah it sounds great i mean they're That's gonna do show. their own thing and yeah. they're gonna like live they're gonna go their own way but like um yeah i don't i'm not i don't definitely i definitely am not like oh i hope they get into show business and no they, yeah you know what are you insecure about do you get insecure anywhere do or did you used to be very insecure about anything in spiral and overthink i i overthink a lot i think in general i think i'm like i feel like if whatever insecurity i have is mostly related to that like people pleasing instinct and like just wanting to be everybody's friend and like very I feel like in social encounters I'm like probably overly aware of how I'm being perceived and um you know I think I guess yeah just wanting people to like me and not wanting to alienate people like I saw somebody that was weird this week this is like a great insight into me it's like there's this person was a somewhat prominent twitter user whatever that's like we have a lot of mutual friends and, and I think she's like a cool, nice lady. And I saw that I, I someone tweeted about her and I clicked on her link and we used to follow each other. Right. And I clicked on her link and I saw that she had blocked me. What? Yeah. I'm upset. Why? Yeah. And I, I was like, I was like, holy shit. I was not like, there's one thing if you're unfollowed, right? Like it's Locked like, a, but like unfollowing someone is like, I get it, whatever. I would never like think twice about that. Cause I've been, you know, whatever, like you just unfollow people sometimes. But the fact that like blocking is such an aggressive like yeah. I don't want you to read my tweets and I was like it just sent me into this like crazy fucking spiral of like what did I do what yeah. did I say because it's also not a person I've ever like harassed or like even probably like I don't think I've even like jokingly made fun of or whatever and so it just like I really and I feel like my insecurity led me to do a thing that I now kind of regret, which I think is stupid, which is I sent her a message on Facebook and was just like, Hey, I just was, I saw that you blocked me. And like, I was just really wondering, like, did I do something or say something that you found particularly like offensive or abusive? And I only ask cause like, I just want to know that like, if I'm affecting people in that way, like I would want to know why. And, um, and now I feel like embarrassed that I did that. Well, did she see it and then not respond? Because you I can see on Facebook. On face, if it's a little check, does that mean she saw it? I think it says it changes the scene. Oh my god, this the future is so fucking irritating. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she hasn't responded. How long? How long has it been since she responded? Three, two or three days. That's her problem. Let it no, go. No, I know, and I, that's where but I'm you're at. You're a sweetheart. Now. Makes me love you more because it's like that's so honest, and you just made yourself so vulnerable. It's a beautiful thing, and then whatever but but I, yeah it makes sense you want to know yeah i i don't know it was just weird i mean maybe and then i'm like well fuck, maybe she's maybe a trump like, supporter or maybe it was a mistake maybe it was just like she accidentally hit the block button or something and like whatever i mean and maybe not maybe there was a very specific reason why but yeah. i just thought that was so odd but yeah and like i think that's it also because it like taps into my deepest fear which is that like people don't like me yeah you know and it's like that's I think that's where whatever insecurity and I'm always trying to like that's like where the Baba Ram Dass shit comes in where it's just like getting to a place where it's like oh I don't fucking need people to like me I don't really care like I know that inside like I'm a well-meaning nice person who tries to like you know be somewhat conscious of how I'm treating others and you know I'm doing my best out here and you know I think I'm getting better at as I get older and like I think you know, having not that I'm like super successful, having a little bit of success and just that validation helps like 
I feel like less of a fraud or whatever where, you know, so I think it's, it's worse in like in show business and, and, you know, and, and, and the stuff, there's like the, all these weird dynamics and you're just like, am I, you know, should I, am I good at this? Like, yeah. am I, should I be here? You know? And, um, I don't know. It's getting better, but I think there's still like, I, th- I still have like that, you know, wanting everyone to like me and security. Yeah. And, and that can cause so much internal suffering. That's mm-hmm. like, I have the same thing where it's just, and then I got to tell myself, I go, how bad do I want to feel about this? I, yeah. I'll, I'll spin myself out and I'll be like, what did that, that person looked at me like this or they did this? And they, yeah, they, they blocked me or they, or whatever. Or I'll have a weird exchange and I let it linger in my brain. And then I just like, it's so painful. And that's why I have to, you know, listen to Ram Dass. By the way, Ram Dass actually means of service. Did yeah. you know that? No, like I didn't his name know is that. like Richard Alpert or something. Yeah. And he yeah. changed it. He went to India and he, he worked at Harvard. Yeah. Right. And then, yeah. Anyway, so we're all Ram Dass. You are of service. But anyway, but, uh, yeah, I just have to. I had to listen to this book called. Uh, I listened to this book called The Untethered Soul. Have you ever read that? No. Oh my god, it was so helpful for me because I would just cause myself so much pain, just like overanalyzing, just being like trying to control everything. And like I'd say, I did a podcast with you, and you and you said something, and then maybe said a sarcastic thing, and then left. I could like spin out for days, <laughs> hold on to it, or burst yeah. into tears and be like, "What if I don't? I just want him to like me. I'm just trying my <laughs> my best." And um, so this book, The Untethered Soul. It teaches you you are not your thoughts. You're the observer behind your thoughts. So it's like if, you know, the lady unblocks you and, and like, say you wake up in the morning and then immediately you hook into, like, the obsession, the spiral of the day, which is you wake up and you go, oh, my God, oh, yeah, the lady, should I, maybe I should send her a message on Facebook. Oh, my God, what is that all about? I just want to know. It's, I'm sure it's fine. And you're, like, getting this, like, yeah. thought. You unhook from that and you, you're the observer behind all the thoughts and you go, oh, there it is, classic me, thinking about the lady and the yeah. thing. And it just gives you more like perspective, so you aren't those thoughts, and they, you, they don't run you. You kind of like see them, and you go, "I, I, choose, I don't want to. I'm going to push this aside. I'm going to put my attention on this." Easier said than done, but it kind it's of very TM to like like transcendental meditation. It's like oh, you see your thoughts, and you yeah. kind of like it helps you sort of disconnect from them a little bit. Yeah, so they don't run you. So you and and then ultimately, even though it's hard to believe, it's like we decide. Like I, I am in charge of how I feel about something. Mm-hmm. Like a lot a, a long time ago, I would feel I feel like. Uh, uh, I had this habitual thing where it's like, well, that person said this thing and now I have to feel bad. I have to feel bad. Oh, my day was fine. And then they looked at me this way. And now I have to feel horrible when, when really I, I don't have to feel anything. I, uh, I'd have to, you know, rise above it and go, I'm going to dictate how I feel because I'm the one, all this is internal and I'm going to decide if I feel good or bad. But anyway, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, smackety, I'm ranting about all this stuff. <sighs> um, let me look at my copious notes. I think I covered everything. Oh, parents, we barely got into that. Meditation, who are your friends, spiraling insecurities, goals, nervous, uh, the meaning of life. That was one of my things on here. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We why. got it. I think we nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So what's next? What do we have to look forward to? Anything you want to put out into the ether that uh, that uh, the world needs to be aware of? No. Just watch At Midnight? Sure. What else? If you want. <laughs> if you want. No big deal. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> What you cannot see is Alex Blagg is in the process of hanging himself uh, during this very, very long podcast. Um, listen, now do you have do you regret having done this podcast? No, not at all. This is great. Anything you're going to think uh, maybe should be edited out? No. Oh, God. What a relief. No. Makes my life simpler. Um, shout out to your kids. Shout out. <laughs> Thank you for doing this podcast. Thanks Alex. for having me. This is really fun. fun. Thanks, yeah. Alexi. I hope it was. Oh, Hashtag man. Alexi Blagg. Yeah. 
Now leaving Nerdist.com. 